This show has been brought to you by Anarchy Wear. They are a great organization who sells clothing, banners like what's behind me, hats, all kinds of stuff. And they're absolutely amazing. Not only do they put out awesome content, they also make awesome things like this. And if you're a Spooner fan, you have this. Let me stand up. I didn't sign shit. Lysander Spooner. If you're a Spooner fan, you'll totally understand. If you're not a Spooner fan, get in my DMs and I'll let you know because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. This flag behind me, enemy of the state. Man, that's Murray Rothbard. The greatest to ever do it. I'm a Rothbardian. He is my favorite economist. Um, he is my favorite anarchist, libertarian, whatever you want to call him. Fantastic material that he's put out. Um, I highly recommend you read his books. But Anarchy Wear has everything from bold to cute and, and modest. You know what I mean? So, like, check them out at Anarchy Wear on X, a.k.a. Twitter. Um at anarchywear.ca on anything meta being Facebook and or Instagram. They're awesome. I love those guys. They're doing great things. And I highly recommend you follow them and get some goods from them, man. I love everything I have from these guys and they're amazing. And, and let me throw this in for you. If you use promo code buds in reality, buds letter N reality i know you know how to spell if you're watching this show you're pretty smart i know you are <laughs> anyways get at them get yourself some gear and if you use the promo code buds and reality you will get yourself 15 percent off who doesn't like a deal so get at them check them out they are great awesome people thank you for the sponsor and let's get on with the show Welcome to the Buzz Reality Show. I'm Sean Collins, the guy with a lot to say. And this week we have Miss Angelique Thomas in the house. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm I'm glad you did this. You and I met, uh, was it two weeks ago or is it a week ago? Time frames are not so good on my end these days. But we, we just met at a Unity Caucus function of all places in Michigan, you know, my, my <laughs> last few shows have been about libertarian and fighting, especially within our state. But uh, we met at a unity caucus uh, um, of like dinner. Yeah. And you actually gave a really bomb ass speech. I'm going to say that for somebody who said, oh, I'm not really good at this and I don't want to do this or not. You didn't say you didn't want to do it, but like, you're like, I'm not good at this. This isn't my thing, not my vibe. And you killed it. You did great. You know, you really Thanks. And well, Scotty Bowman, he called me up and uh, I didn't hesitate. It was very similar to when they called me and uh, Bill Jelenew called out of nowhere and said, hey, do you want to be my running mate? Um, I didn't hesitate. I believe in the party. I believe in the cause. I believe in the I, it's the next best thing. Right. This country needs needs libertarian libertarianism and libertarian ideals. It's what we are founded on. I didn't hesitate. But um Gosh, I didn't know what to talk about, Sean, because Scotty wanted me to talk about unity and kumbaya. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix this. You have a, you had a lot of great ideas, but I think where you and I resonated is, can we just get the two warring factions in the room or the leadership of the two warring factions in the room and get this done? Um, you and I have the same ideals on that. It's let's just solve this right now and quash this in a common sense way, in a lean way. Let's just do this. So 
that that's what it's about. Like I, my biggest thing is, you know, as long as the court case gets dropped, we can handle this internally, but we first have to stop wasting resources and letting the state and lawyers take our money that we don't have in the first place. That's my biggest thing. But, you know, let's, uh, you know, give us a quick bio about you because, you know, I, I have a lot of listeners. I don't have a lot, a lot of listeners, but I have a lot of listeners that might not know who you are. So like, tell them what you're about, who you are, what you've done and, and why you're a libertarian. Well, we need to fix that. We need to get you more listeners. I love scaling and growing businesses and brands and we're going to, we're going to fix that baby. Less but a um, little bit of background on me. I'm a mom of two middle school girls and a wife. And uh, I was a Oakland County business owner, recently sold that business. Before that, I practiced law for a good decade and was on the public defender role. So I practiced criminal defense work in the criminal defense arena for a good decade in the Tri-County area. So that would be Macomb, Wayne County, Oakland County. I did general practice, so small business work and family law work. And my passion has always been political theory, policy, and philosophy. Um, but, but I think um, what I spend most of my time doing is business development and growing and scaling mid-sized businesses um, and strategy. So it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. This is my love. This is my passion. So it's... Um, my minor in philosophy. So I've read all of the, the, the stuff like Plato and Kant and Betham and Hegel and Marx. And um, I've read and been interested in why nations rise, why nations falls, the theory of war. And it fascinates me. It's fascinating to me. So that's really the long and short of it. I like that. But you actually ran for office here in communist state of Michigan of all places against <laughs> yeah let's let's be real guys this is a uh this is a full-blown fascist communist state at this point but you actually ran as lieutenant governor yeah so it's Gretchen Hitler yes I right. said that aloud so Bill Bill Jelenu I didn't know who he was he calls me up out of nowhere and this is when the libertarians in Michigan were a major party we we had major party status because we got over a million votes um, in the prior election year. What that tells you is there's over 1 million people that are like-minded like you and I out there. And we snuck in. What I mean by snuck in is I don't think anybody saw us coming. So they weren't finagling any of the voting metrics and bam, over a million people said, Fuck you to the two major parties. And by law and rule, it qualified the Libertarian Party as a major party. Jelani went anywhere, calls me and says, hey, um, do you want to run with me? And we were a very good team in that everything he was, I was not. And everything I was not, he was. So he okay. was an expert on property law and um, real estate. And I was an expert on criminal defense law and policy. He's a tall, big white guy I'm a short minority brown girl I mean it it, it was <laughs> I, I was raised from the right I had a, a raging Republican for a father watching 
Crosswire and Fox News growing up. So that was my indoctrination growing up. He had a father who was a union steward or was big in, into uh, uh, the left, right? So he was coming from the left and I was coming from the right. It couldn't have been better. Um, and I'm, I'll always be grateful for Bill for that opportunity. But I will tell you, Sean, it was hell. It was hell on my family. It was hell on my marriage. People are mean. They're abusive. Yes. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to hear my voice or my opinions. They were focused on, you know, my ass or something or my, you know, or the fact that I would sit there. I think the, the Detroit Metro Times big deal was they quoted me. They, they quoted that I had sworn. And then within a week, Gretchen Whitmer was trying to swear to, you know, let's fix the damn roads. I'm like, look, Gretchen, you're not, you're never going to be as cool as a libertarian. You can say, fuck shit ass. And you're never going to be uh, real, <laughs> as real as our party, right? We're the party of the people. Well, well, that and that's part of the thing is like, you're not going to find a libertarian that's not going to tell you to fuck off or go fuck yourself if warranted. They are going to yeah. tell you exactly how they feel at any given moment, which I appreciate. Like, there's no sugarcoating things. We are going to tell you what it is and how it is. It's just the way we want to tell it to you. And if you have a problem with it, fuck you. What's really funny is when I would be this, she's so genuine. It's like, do we really want people in leadership situations or in roles that are not genuine? Remember Robo Gore? You're my generation. Yes. Remember when people, Al Gore, he would be at the podium and he would like, I can do the robot, you know? It's, he, it's, uh, wouldn't you want someone genuine with an honest opinion? And you and I talked a little, a little bit earlier offline, but it's like, don't you want someone who's going to make a mistake in life and, and, uh, be a human being don't you want an actual human being uh to relate to yes and it, it and that's that's part of the thing is like people expect you know these politicians to all be sunshine and rainbows and at this point after all the bullshit we've been through for the last 20 years especially in the last you know four years we um, know nobody's electable let me tell you something like nobody's electable a guy a guy that won the Rainbow Coalition Award, like save people's farms, real estate magnet, somehow, he, he, who's electable? And frankly, do I want the church lady who has never done anything wrong in her whole entire life? Do I do? Is that the person I want that's going to be having to make the tough decisions policy wise? Well, it, isn't it the garbage we go through that makes us tough? Let's talk yes. about that, right? Yes. Don't you want somebody who's been through it, who's had to battle through things? And that's me. That I'm one of those people. So, like, you know, everybody has this this perception that politicians should be these these great, wonderful people, and and it and and that they are far from that. They're actually vile trash. Anybody who comes from you know a political background you know, has probably at, at this point in our lives at 2023, a good majority of these people that are in office have probably been to Epstein Island. We know this. This mm. is why they're not going to release the list. Okay. And we're not talking the flight, the flight like, list, the flight logs, the, the anything, the anything. And, you know, you know, the QAnon conspiracy, you know, they're, I'm, I'm not a Q guy. Those people are fucking insane. But the Q people believe that you you're know, a Z guy. 
they're only Democrats that were going to Epstein Island. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Birds of a feather flock together. And actually most of these people in office go to war in, in a, in a setting of yeah. their job. And then they go have cigars and play golf afterwards. These people yeah. are actually friends. They're they not hang out. They all hang out. I know. I've been all there. hang out. Yeah, I've one been person there. in particular, one person who I actually respected for a very long time. And I can't remember who the, the Democrat was, but it was Rand Paul. And I loved Rand Paul. I voted for him in the 2016 primary. Yeah, I helped his campaign out as well. You know, Ron and, Paul. And, I was back as Ron Paul. I was a big advocate for Ron Paul as well. Yes, which is why I loved Rand Paul. And so, you know, Ron Paul is the, the grand pooba of the libertarians. Let's just put it out there right now. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is his son. And and yeah, you got my vote, dude, just because you're Ron Paul's son. And, so and listen, do you know how easy it is to slip up? You know, soul to soul, easy. a person myself, I've made these huge mistakes in life, right? You've made these huge mistakes in life. Do you know how easy it is for them to say, we're going to go to this event and then they have you, then they've caught you, then they've got you in a compromising position where it's, um, and I hate to say this, but Epstein made his money, I don't hate to say Epstein made his money by blackmailing people. Yes. So as many people in the left, whether it's the left versus the right, it's it's typically the Crips versus the Bloods, right? They're going to drag as many people as possible along with them because there's safety in having screwed up. It's like, if I'm going to screw up, you're going to screw up with me. You got to remember, Trump was a Democrat back then too. New York Democrat at that. New York Democrat. And um, yeah. I mean, there's this evolution of countries that happens, but there's also this evolution of philosophical intelligence. And it's, I always joke and say, I, I was a Democrat when I was 12 because I wanted everybody to get the same size slice of pizza too, you know? Right. I understood socialism when I was 12 and I get it. It's the easiest thing to understand, even, even Stephen, but um, it's a little more complex than that. As a uh, Southern Baptist raised boy, you were raised Southern Baptist. I was raised Southern Baptist. And I'm a never Democrat because of that. I've never voted Democrat. I've never been on that road before. Um, most of that it makes has, sense. That makes sense. Most of it has to do with the Second Amendment, though. Like I love guns. I love guns. I love what they do and what they what they're 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 made for. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that they provide for people because how do you get food? You have to kill it, right? They're aligned with rugged individualism and self, uh, self-preservation self and being able to do for yourself. And they're the great equalizer. You and I talked, you and they I- They are the great equalizer. A 100 so. and 500, five pound person like myself, I'm equal to the state when I have a guy. I'm, I'm equivalent. Well, not really. I mean, I don't have an F-16 or a nuclear weapon, but Yeah. If they're the great equalizer, if I'm out in the, in the, in society and a 300 pound person wants to assault me, then, um, this is what I'm saying. So you're like a hundred and nothing pounds and you're five foot, nothing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a little girl. You're tiny. Thank you. And, and, and somebody, somebody who is like you said, 300 pounds, very large, you know, possibly carrying a, a weapon of some sort comes to try to hurt you or break into your home and hurt your family. Now you're a mother. 
you are a mother before you're anything you're a mother right, right. so so now you have to protect your children mm-hmm. against 300 pound said monster you're mm-hmm. not going to fight him you're not going to fist fight this person. You're going to have to shoot them. And that is why guns are the greatest equalizer. They are. I, I think four people really, in your situation. Very, very brilliant men founded the country and they chose it as number two. And I often tell people that. So let's say the globe is wiped out of society and there's only 100 people left. And they say, okay, let's figure out what kind of how we want to structure the best government on earth. They sat down and number two were the citizens' right to bear arms. Why? The the second most important thing. Why did they do that? And they made it very clear. It was, well, government's a necessary evil and power perpetuates. It gets out of control. There's these biases of self-perpetuate. You know, the party cares about the party's power, not not what's in the best interest of the weakest human being in the country, the, the weakest child, the weakest frail elderly person that party is going to self-perpetuate just like a company will right and the the founder said well what do we do to keep the rails on and guns were number two and so when people say well that's ridiculous they didn't foresee the technology of planes and and uh bombs and are you going to let people own tanks and i'm like well local police forces own tanks they own you know, and really, when you go to go to the Super Bowl, when you look up and you see the F-18s fly across, those are private pilots that are retired. Some those guys own those planes and they're being commissioned or they're being hired. In a private legal contract, they own an LLC or they've incorporated and those pilots are being hired by the NFL to fly over. So, yeah, do people own planes and boats? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And it's OK. It's it's perfectly okay. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people, you know, believe that, you know, it's it's almost bad to be a rich person or it's bad to have money. And it's like, well, if they have it, they earned it. And and even if it was passed down to them through generations, that's none of your business. Well, trickle-down economics was deemed like an evil term, right? Like right. the left decided how dare people be able to spend the money that they've earned and you know nepotism it, it, you'll hear these leftists say well is it really really fair that the aristocrats get given things you know what it's crippling if you've ever met somebody who's been given any everything they want in life that's never had to earn and never i didn't come from much my husband didn't come from much um i'd never trade it for the world i wouldn't trade it for the world if you've ever right. met someone that's never ever um, have that gift of struggle. They've never earned anything. They've never achieved anything. They're lost. They're lost. Right. And I worry about that as a mother, as a parent, it's to what extent am I giving them too much where they're not going to have to feel what it's like to achieve something on their own. Right. right? right. So it's not always the best thing. Money doesn't solve. Pro- Does money solve addiction? No, it didn't solve it for Biden's son. I know addicts. <laughs> that, I, I know people who have lost their sons and their daughters and addiction sprawls across every social and economic. So does mental health. Money doesn't solve those things. It's, well, yeah, it's, those individuals. Things don't discriminate. it's individuals that solve those things. That's where our party's philosophy is dead on and correct. It's one human loves, connects with, trust, respects another human, like you said earlier. And a human, human beings fix those things at the ground level. Mano a mano, 
one-on-one -on -one at the local direct level, not some six states away in DC by some policy and some program. I often talk with to 19 people. bureaucrats <laughs> behind it, by the uh, way. Solve the homeless problem. Okay. Why don't you let them go register for a federal program with the, uh, and put their address into your federal Let the homeless people put their address and their location in for you. Oh, federal. Right. Oh, federal program that's going to fix everything. And this has right. been proven statistically, Sean, in terms of FAFSA and Sally Bain, Freddie Mac. The government says, oh, we need a safety net for the people that are struggling. I'm telling you that kids that struggle, I've been there, kids that struggle with finances and things of those nature, they don't they don't know where their dad worked. They don't know where they're, they, they think they're not going to fill out a FAFSA form. And so right. the studies have proven that these programs end up helping who? The upper middle class because they're complex, right? And right. they take savvy and they take, so who gets to take advantage of these programs? The people who don't necessarily need them. And then there's a waste, fraud, and abuse element. Like a third of all that is waste, fraud, and abuse. It's being, right. there's people going and applying for programs that don't really deserve that. So, so are there rails on the waste, fraud, and abuse in all these programs? No. Are the programs sunset when the, are there KPIs like my private companies have to meet? Did the program solve homelessness? And if it didn't, it's canceled because I can tell you private company in the private market, if it doesn't do well, it goes out of business. So let's right. do that for government. Let's apply that for government. All right. You have a social safety net program. Did it reduce homelessness? Did it reduce addiction? Okay. It did not. You're done sunset the program stop wasting the public money but that's not how it works well no they say hey no. we need more money to fix we need more it. money, more money it's from the, you yep it's the hegelian dialect and the left leverages this all the time less riot less burn cities less cause race division less cause class division where the haves hate the have-nots and the have-nots hate the haves let's ha let's create a class war because if you divide them we can conquer them it's the less make a mess of shit and then claim we need government to be bigger to solve it so the the progressive left gets to create this perpetual we need more government as we fuck up the world and create more devastation and division it's the hegelian dialect brilliant right but it's sad because it's at the expense of people Very well, it, sad. Always is. it's always at the expense of people whether it's the left or the right because they the government produces nothing they only have things because they extort money from their citizens. They're that's power brokers. How this works. They're power and influence brokers. You know, that's all they are. Now, now let me ask you something when it came, comes to running and campaigning. Yeah. You know, you ran, you know, as Lieutenant governor in mm -hmm. 2018. Now as a libertarian, were you one of those um, let's do this and let's play to win? Or you, were you just trying to take, you know, 5% of the votes? I don't like what doing was your campaign there. I don't like doing anything not all out. And as I've gotten older and I've I've learned this the hard way of having too many irons in the fire, and then I can't I can't be as good of a mom as I want to be, and I can't be as, as good as of um, a a leader as I want to be in my in my company. Um, so that's was very upsetting to me that the goal wasn't to win, you know, I, and people who have been, who have played on athletic teams with me in the past, they know that about me. It's like, if we're going to do this, we're going, we're good. We're doing, we're going, we're doing, we're going to do this. Um, I think we did well. I think we did 
better than we thought we would do. But I would have liked to have put more, more time and more effort directed into it. I wish that that could have been my sole focus. And, and I didn't have a whole bunch of other things pulling at me. And I think we didn't, we didn't prepare. The party didn't go in thinking that we, we didn't strategize it out in terms of how do we really, really, really do this. But then on top of that, we had the two major parties making sure we weren't going to be at the debates. We weren't going to be, we weren't going to have a voice because had we been at the debates, we would have demolished them. They don't have a leg to stand on. They don't. We actually see that, you know, in 2020, um, especially um, there were three libertarian debates that really stuck out. We saw it with Rand Paul, Ross Perot. You you see it with any major party. You see it with this, uh, the Hawaiian defect, the young lady that defected from the Democratic parties in Hawaii, Gabby. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I mean, you see it when you see it with the Cato Institute and you see it with, you know, George Carlin. You see it with so many people that when they can get their voices out there and speak common sense, it's it's not stoppable. We're not stoppable because we're we're right. Go ahead and challenge our ideals on any level. On ethics, uh, at a on a le- at a legal level, you cannot. We're the most, in my opinion, we're the we're our party is the most principled party out there. Well, I mean, it's not really even close at this point, you know. Yeah. Especially considering the way, you know, at this point, Republicans are just Democrats doing the speed limit. I stole that from another podcaster. Um, but you know that that is a, uh, it's just what it is now, and and yeah you know, everything they talk about that they do bipartisan completely fucks the people. Like if you hear the word bipartisan, you might as well just bend over and take it because that's what's happening at that point. And well, it's going- like a bad marriage, right? They're married to each other. They're living in the same house. They disagree on a lot of crap. They're going to fight. They're still going to stay together. The Republicans and Democrats are still going to stay together and at the end, protect each other. They're just going to trade power back and forth. The well, they're, bloods, it's- they're not willing to relinquish power. We saw that in New York, um, New York State with Larry Sharp. You know, Larry Sharp ran for governor in 2018 and again in 2022. And in 2022, Larry Sharp, you know, because you know this as, as <laughs> a libertarian, um, you to get on the ballot in some states, you have to get your, you know, a certain amount of signatures and raise a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Larry Sharp did both things and by far, like tenfold. He got way more signatures than he needed to get. He got way more money than he needed to get. And then the New York GOP ended up suing him to keep him off the ballot and they won and they won't relinquish power because of that. Now, Larry Sharp, I believe, raised about a half million bucks, right? Yeah, Larry Larry is Sharp. You know, Larry, Larry's my guy. In, in a yeah. perfect libertarian world, um, my presidential uh, duo for me personally is Spike Cohen, Larry Sharp. And I don't care who gets which way, but that would be my dream team for VP and president. Yeah, um, I, I could get behind that. Just because I feel like those are the only two people at this point within our party who can get the masses to rally behind them. I don't think Michael Rechtenwald's going to get anybody outside of Mises. I don't think Chase Oliver is going to get any anybody outside of, you know, his people. I don't think, you know, Josh Smith, Lars Mapp said any of them, you know, and we actually have a couple very brilliant people that are running for president right now. Yeah. Uh, agreed. But 
the fact of the matter is, is that Libertarian Party is so divided at this point, like it's their guy or bust. They're not going to be willing to, you know, say everybody pick Chase Oliver, right? They want Chase Oliver to be the president. And he wins at, you know, at the national convention, you know, in May, where they they decide who's going to get the nod. People who are voting for the other guys like Mike Tremont and all that, a lot of those people aren't going to be willing to vote for Chase Oliver. I They're think that not. it's it's the nature of who we are. We we tend to want to dig our heels in and be so principled that and loyal that it's we cannot agree to to, to, to disagree. We cannot agree to disagree. Which and is then, a huge problem right now within the whole the whole party. It's mm-hmm. not even a Michigan thing. Like Michigan is actually, you know, the forefront of the the fuckery that's happening in the party, unfortunately. But the, the infighting is across the board. There's only, I've only heard one state out of all 50 that have a solid unified libertarian party. And that's in Arkansas. We're eating ourselves alive from the inside. Yes. Um, and it's the nature of what a libertarian is. We're not going to sacrifice ourselves as individuals for the greater whole. I mean, if you think about what a libertarian is constitutionally, it, individualism rules so it's just the nature of who we are and we're not we're not going people are not in the libertarian party and and we tend to stand on principle and dogmatic ideals and we can't let things go i i agree with you like what what's the solution i don't know what the solution is sean i don't i think it should be okay for each of the caucuses and the different factions um, and the different ideal sets to say, okay, can we agree to disagree and each each have our own specialists and be specialists in our own arenas um, and just back the party. But got to remember too, a lot of us are federalists at our core that believe in states' rights. So we understand and conceptualize the constitution of United States to mean that DC should not have the amount of power that it has and that each state should have as much power. And so a lot of us that wish to move in that direction are not going to back the national party anyway. So, so that these key states too, like Michigan is one of them. Colorado is one of the, the purple states that matter, Pennsylvania that matter. There's almost as much or more laser-like focus strategically, and there should be, than what the National Party does. I am not good with centralization of power. That's just, I don't, I don't like it. That's a libertarian thing is decentralization. So why is there a central, you know, party? You know, who knows? You know, I think that's a whole different discussion in itself, honestly. Yeah, you're right. When it gets to like, delegating things to the states that is a very libertarian thing mm-hmm. uh, each state should be able to run as it chooses um without interference from the national party you know getting involved in into certain things and in, in certain matters as we're seeing right now um i'm not a big fan of lpn being involved in the court case between the two michigan factions they've actually put forth a lot of money into this right now, which is actually taking away from national candidates. Um, We all know this. Larry Sharp 
I, I use him as an example because what is, have you talked to Larry? What is his perception? Oh, dude, Larry show. I've had Larry on my show. But what does he think about the, the suit? I haven't talked to him about that. I had Larry on my show last summer when I was coming out of surgery, actually, I was home a lot and I, I did a bunch of shows and he was one of them. Um, but you know, it's all about resources that's one thing you will learn from Larry is you have to have resources and you have to have money. It's like order. playing Settlers of Catan, Sean. It's yes. all about resources. But if you're wasting them on court cases that, you know, are, are silly to me, they're very silly to me that, you know, they're, they might not be silly to some of the other people and that's fine to each their own. But the fact of the matter is they're wasting our money to the state of all people, the state, the people we are against, we want to end the state and, you know, and, and, and bring individual liberty back to things. But here we are giving the state our money and letting them dictate how things are going to go within a, a party who d believes in decentralization. I think it's, it's lack of leadership. I'm just going to be blatant and blunt about it. And I, and I, um, I'm a person who thinks that leadership is critical. And that's why, you know, they fire the head coach when the team's losing. The line, if the right. Lions, right, if, if Michigan's losing or Ohio State, they fire the head coach. It's a leadership problem because a leader dictates or at least holds down the priorities. What is important? What, what are we running all of our decisions? You're making your decisions through a matrix of priorities. You right. do this with your puppies. It's like, okay. If I have to make a tough decision about their health or their life, what are the most important things? What are the top three most important things? You run the decision matrix through my friends or people that are loyal to me, love me, respect me. You run it through a decision matrix. Someone at the top has the wrong priorities and values. Somebody is running it through the wrong decision matrix, in my opinion. Um, because if you have your goal set on a certain prize or attempting to grow the party or do what's best for the party. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. See, this is the thing. I can, I can look at myself. You can leave. You're the type of human. You do the same thing where you go, oh, maybe I was wrong. This is why I love talking to you. Um, and maybe they did. And maybe it's bad attention. Bad attention works. Maybe these lawsuits will get the party more publicity. The Kim Kardashian theory of I'm doing something ridiculously horrific, but it's going to make me famous, right? Right. Maybe somebody's smarter than both you and I, and we're trying to end the infighting because we're watching it rip our rip our um, party and our friends apart, right? Oh yeah, like we're at a point like there's there's going to be no more LPMI. I I I'm, I think we're about there. I think Libertarian Party of Michigan is about done. Um, Unfortunately, you know, I, I did my couple of shows that, you know, tried to get some people together. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. If it does, please, you know, you guys know how to reach out to me, go ahead, please. Um, but, you know, at this point, uh, you know, I, my, my, one of my biggest concerns is nationals interest in our state. And a lot of it has to do with, um, well, there's a lot of factors why LPN is so invested in this lawsuit and why they want one side to win in, instead of the other. But the, the real reason is, well, there's a handful. So when we talked right. about the phone the other day, mm -hmm. one of them is 
out of all the states in the United States, there's only literally maybe, maybe a handful of states that could literally secede from the federal government. And Michigan has to be one of them, happens to be one of them. Um, and it's because of the resources we have here. We can have fun. We have the automobile industry. We have the farming industry. We have, you know, water. We have water. We have, we have a foreign border. We have, we have a foreign border. Yes, we have a trade embargo. We have we have things here that could make us literally the first state to secede from the federal government. It ain't going to be Texas. I know everybody loves New Hampshire, but New Hampshire gets brutal, brutal winters. Brutal winters. Yeah, we no, I talked to my friends at Mark Burnett Productions and I, and we tossed around this. You could literally have a show where it's, uh, for lack of better terms, redneck Olympics. You could, you could, you could literally have Florida versus Michigan versus Texas versus Alaska in the Olympics of who shoots best, hunts best, who has who is who has the better vehicles who's more self-sufficient who is who are the best survivalists and when you talk about states like that i think that pops in my mind these memories of why don't we have the ultimate competition of individual uh survival that'd be cool right and michigan would be right up there but you're right from a social or from a political standpoint and a positioning standpoint and a resource standpoint we've got water rights right we've got resources um i think you're correct i think you're correct texas was tossing that around did you know that texas was tossing yeah but texas showed their true colors remember a couple years ago when they had that big ice storm and they're like for the longest time we're going to secede from the government and we can (laughs) do it on our own and then the first sign of trouble they were literally begging for money to help them from the federal government because they couldn't handle the free hegelian dialect again it's oil's bad and we need to diversify into other uh, types of energy. Crap, there's an ice storm and the windmills aren't doing it. You know, the battery battery operation isn't it. So it's, it's the Hegelian dialect again of dependency. It's dependency. That's right. But there's also one more reason why Michigan is a hot spot for the Libertarian Party. And that is because the Michigan militia is by far the largest militia of any state in the United States. It's not even close. We are known for our militia for people who are in the, in the know of that stuff. Yeah. You're not going to come here and fuck around. You're not going to come here and fuck around in Michigan. You're not going to do that. Yeah. We are armed. Detroit is one of the most, I'm right outside of Detroit here. I promise you Detroit is probably if not the most armed city in the United States. Yeah, we won't have problems with riots, Sean. We're not going to have problems with riots. No, that's why in the summer of love, you know, when we were talking about 2020 earlier, like shit got heated downtown Detroit, but there was no looting and there was no burning. Okay. There was some wild shit that happened. Yes. But there was no looting and no burning. And that attributed that. Give the police credit there. Give the state police credit. And I know this is a rub, but, you know, you get the Libertarian Party, and often people wonder, well, are Libertarians aligned with police, or are they not aligned with police? And this is one thing that breaks my heart. We need to be aligned with but police. People are at the local level. They're civil servants. We shouldn't have this automatic police is government, so we're anti-police. Then we need to, are we like that with our military people? Military people are government, so we're anti- No. 
these are human beings. These are individuals that have the worst fucking job on earth, man. They see the worst in people. They see people at their worst. And just like you have friends in the military, I have friends that serve as police officers. Yeah, there's a lot of assholes. There's a lot of jerks. But oh, yeah. I, I will say this. Give the state police credit tactically. There was leadership. Again, how important leadership is that decided we're going to march alongside BLM, right? We're, we're going to actually quash any idea that there's this disagreement and we're going to walk with them. And something that you might know, they tactically were very smart. They positioned themselves at various points of the border of Michigan. This is not the militia. This is brilliant, tactical, Sung Tzu art of war shit. And they stopped buses of protesters from coming into the city, right? So it's, these, these, like, no, you will not be bringing pallets of bricks, bottled water to facilitate this image that there's social unrest because the Republicans and Trump are this evil, these evil people that need to get out of power. No. If you want to come to Detroit, the state police saves the state's ass. Give the leadership credit there. Well, there's also this too, and 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 this is a fact of the matter: is that there was a major riot here in Detroit in 1967 that literally crippled the Mm -hmm. city for many many decades, and we're still rebuilding from that. We are still rebuilding from that situation in 1990s or 1967. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, that being said, that's another reason why people are not going to come here and do this shit. You are going to fuck around and you are going to find out. You will be met with great resistance if you come to Detroit and try to make trouble. You will be met with great resistance by citizens, not police. And the police will probably let it happen at that point because they know that they're just protecting what's theirs. Okay, we're not doing this again. We're not doing it again. My mother, my mother grew up during that time. She lived at Joy Road and Schaefer, which is just down the road from where I live. Yeah. Not too far, just a few miles. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was horrific. She remembers having to hide under the bed with my uncle while, you know, my grandpa and my uncles and his brothers or whatever, you know, sat on this porch with shotguns to protect their territory. We're not doing this again in Michigan. We're not doing it again in Detroit. It's not happening. So yes, the police had something to do with keeping the peace, but also the citizens themselves are not going to I agree to with you. They're not I agree with you. There, there's just unlikely alliances that we need to find more of, especially in our party, but there's unlikely alliances. And if there, if it benefits either of the major parties for there to be fires, businesses burning, havoc in the streets, then they're going to pull the strings to be able to do this. And then you have to ask people, whether it's the militia or whether it's the, the police or whether it's individual citizenry or individual business owners, are you going to, are you going to be able, are, you going to, are we going to stand up together? Are we going to stand up together? And this is where localization matters, right? This is Absolutely. where localization matters and giving a shit about your fellow people in the community matters. Are you going to be able to look your neighbors in the eye and tell them that you did what you could, that you did what you could. It's community policing. We talk about this community policing and police are here to take care of it. 
it's an unlikely alliance. And we need to be looking for those unlikely alliances where they're very different from us. There's factions have their own bents and their own interests. If we don't do that inside of the party, we're, we are done. We're finished. You're, you're big on the militia isn't my thing. It's not, it's your thing. I'm, I've got other passions, but you can't, I can't do it all and you can't do it all. That's no. your specialized area of knowledge. You know that history and it's going to take all of us. But could you imagine, imagine a world right now where people get wise to what the fuck is really going on out there. And then all of a sudden you get like the backwoods militia type guys joining forces with the gangbangers down in the fucking city. Yeah, it's already happening. Could you imagine what so would happen if it's that already happening? Down? And you want to know why it's already happening? Because I think other subsections of communities, like the African American population, they're starting to go, wait a minute. The government experimented on over 300 African-American men, gave them syphilis. Wait a minute. The Tuskegee experiment. Tuskegee, like, wait a minute. Maybe we shouldn't be taking back. Maybe we shouldn't be treated like cattle. So their interests align. Again, it, it's those unlikely alliances, right? And even you see this with uh, Hispanic immigrants and, and immigrants like Filipino immigrants, like my, 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 my mother, Catholic immigrants, they're starting to think about what it really means to be, to have the sanctity of human life, to care about human life, you know, and, and is it really good to be treated a certain way? Wh who, who is the more ethical, who has the more, more ethical stance, right? I like that. And this condescending attitude of the centralist, of the status, this condescending attitude that we know what's better for you. Um, I laugh because my daughter loves the show Hamilton. And there's this scene in Hamilton where the, the queen, or the, I'm sorry, the king, who acts like a queen, but he's singing and he says, Oh, you, I'm going to send a battalion to remind you of my love. Da 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 da. da. And he, he's very pompous. <laughs> and, and really, when you talk to a lot of these leftists, they're like, Yeah, there's some people who probably should be sterilized. There are some people who should be, this is the attitude they have. They have this attitude that people are cattle. And there's, there is, there's, it's not hold sank that people should have self-will and self-determinism. They fundamentally believe, if you listen to Hillary, the deplorables are so ignorant. We're so stupid, right? They're so stupid if you don't align with the elite, the elitist left in the way they think. Yeah, it's this condescending elitist mentality and it's very scary because they're out correct. of touch they're absolutely out of touch and if you throw them in the middle of a fucking field could they grow their own could they grow their own food no they're screwed they're screwed they're, yeah. they're in their brownstone in the middle of a, a urban city i don't know i don't know well, i totally get you but thinking money can solve all their problems can I get you to hold that thought? We need to run to a commercial break real quick. Of course. We will be, sponsors. We will be right back. This show is sponsored by Infinite Zeal Syndicate. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Infinite Zeal. He is a great liberty-minded fella that just wants to share the message of liberty and also has fantastic merch like this hat I'm wearing right now. You see me wear it on every show. Um, 
He's a great gentleman, and I uh, highly suggest you give him a follow because he's one of the good ones, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's get on with the show. And we're back. So let's pick up where we left off. Um, you know, you, you had brought up, you know, people in foreign countries, which I'm glad you did because I actually had a fantastic conversation with a buddy of mine who happens to be from Mexico. I, you know, a little history on me. I worked in the service industry, front of the house for almost 20 years. I was a bartender, server, manager, you name it, I did it. Um, and and so that being said, you know. Me too, by the way. Nice, nice. I love that. That cheers to that. Um, and that's a that's a hard that's a hard life, really. You know, it's it's a it's it can be a good life, but it's a hard life. The hours are crazy. You don't get to see anybody. You know, you're working holidays, you're working weekends, you're working nights, all all the things. But yeah, you don't have a social life. No, you end up you end up you know, uh, just knowing your restaurant people. That's actually my wife and I met working in restaurants. That's that's how we met, you know, because that's all you yeah. get to mingle with at that point because of your your schedule. It's a team sport. It takes a particular type of human to be good at it, right? That's right. So, you know, I, I end up, you know, talking to my buddy, you know, I hadn't seen him in a very long time. It was uh, uh, my wife's, my mother-in-law's uh, 60th birthday party. And we happen to have a, a common friend and he, you know, it's, it's this dude from Mexico I'm talking about. And what came out of his mouth last night really resonated with me. What did he say? And he said, first off, he said, I really like what you're doing out there, which I love that. It tickles me to death because, you know, this isn't a glorious thing, what we're doing here. Speaking out against the grain gets you a lot more hate than it does love. Right. It, actually, it's scary to tell you the truth. Yeah, I it, worry it about the judgment. I worry about, is it going to blow back on my career or my children? And yeah, it's scary. Yeah. So, you know, he started with that. I, I dig what you're doing. You know, it's great. I'm like, damn, man, thank you. That's very humbling when somebody says, says something like that to you, especially in this life. And so, you know, he said, you know, in Mexico, you know, they did this. What they're doing here right now is how they did it in Mexico, where they took over and took everything from everyone. You know, the farming industry was something that was very big in Mexico, and they took that away. You know, they took everything. The government took over. And it's it's the shit leftists, it's the shit leftards, as as Javier Mille would say, the shit leftards that are doing this. They come in and they promise you that you're going to have this great extra, this great extravagant life, and they're going to give you all this free shit. And what happens is is they end up taking everything from you. Well, they don't I give mean, you anything. You can be given everything, but then you're owned. So then you're going off, and this is again where. I talk, I talk to my black friends and they're like, after Johnson signed the civil rights bill, first sentence out of his mouth, he used the N-word. He was just, he, the goal of the left was just to take them off of the plantation and make them dependent on the government. And that's, that was the goal. And that's why policy promotes the fracture of the black family and of any family. But I, I always tell people this, everybody knows the story of Robin Hood, right? Right. You remember... I remember Kevin Costner, but there's a whole bunch of different versions of, of Robin Hood, the mo movie. The first scene, typically, or one of the first scenes, is he's a little boy, and he's hiding, and the sheriff in Nottingham rides up on his dad's farm, knocks on the door, approaches his dad in the field, and says, the king is requesting his deer, like his taxes. And when I'm trying to explain the libertarian ideal to people, I say, well, you know, you know, Robin Hood, the story of Robin Hood, right? That is the story of 
why libertarians think the way we think. Because Robin Hood is a boy. He watched the sheriff burn down, kill his dad, hang his dad, because his dad wasn't showing allegiance and paying his taxes to the king. So when the king tells you, don't worry, pat you on the head, we're, we're going to give you money to survive. First of all, remember, it's a pittance. You're going to be given just enough to survive. Ask anybody in government housing and ask anybody in a shitty government public school. Mm-hmm. Mind you, there are great public schools. My kids are great. They can compete when they want to compete. They can compete. They're better than private schools. But allow for competition. Just allow for competition. Right. Um, I just, it's that simple. Do you want that? Do you, in our founders, if you read the common sense or any of the founders that they were, they thought really long and hard about this, Sean. And they were like, yeah, government's a necessary evil because there are going to be people that fall through the cracks and there are going to be people that are left behind and government needs to be a safety net. When somebody's beating someone else in the street, sometimes government needs to come in and separate them and make them behave. I get it. There's bad actors. We need government to some extent. But this idea, Sean, I shit you not. My kids came home on flag day. I'll never forget this. And I think I, I saved it. I saved it. And the coloring assignment was, what is government for? And they call, she colored the first flap and it was goods. The second flap, services. And the second one was a person helping another person. Because we can't do it on our own. <laughs> like i'm going well, they're indoctrinating them young i know they're indoctrinating, indoctrinating at his finest holy shit teachers union but they're indoctrinating them young like they're they're getting the teachers and all the teachers training my teacher friends go to these teacher training and it's well you know if you're born with darker skin then woe is you you're not as smart these poor kids no no all you need to do is look at a kid and believe in them that they could do something that they don't believe. That's the benefit. That's the power of an individual teacher or coach. If police, if teachers were paid what senators and congressmen were paid, can you imagine? Or if you're, if veterans were taken care of and had the medical coverage that a congressperson had for life, right. can you imagine if the respect, if the actual equality that they talk about on the okay, let's talk equality. How about you pay teachers what teachers should be paid. Right. Or a police officer. How about you give a police officer or a veteran the same medical benefits and care that a senator gets? Or, or equalize it. Let's let's yeah. really be you put your money where your mouth is. How right. about your kid going to Harvard? If you're a Democrat and your children aren't going to a public school, we have a problem. So so let's just put our money where our mouth is. Or right. let's take your Nancy Pelosi, let's take your income and let's divide it among the people in your in your jurisdiction. All those homeless people on the street, put your money where your mouth is. Right. But they don't want to. They 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 thrive on chaos. And this no, is- they're they're very like giving with other people's money. When I bring my kids to the store and they're like, Well, can I buy my friend a gift for their birthday? It's like they're more generous when their dad and I are paying. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's- of course, that's how that works. And in the whole equality thing, though, you know, they haven't misconstrued like equality is an equal starting point. It's not an equal finish line. It's up to the individual to make their finish line. You that's know, what the Constitution says, Sean. They were very clear about that. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's funny, especially with, you know, I'm a small business owner, right? And and within the last couple of years, like the, the wages, you know, people are screaming about wages, 
which I've never been bashful about paying people. I, at one point I had a guy making $30 an hour under the table working for me and he was uh, 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 careful. Don't say under the table. Oh, that's okay. I'm already on a watch list. <laughs> Y'all are go fuck yourself. NSA. I know you're listening, but, uh, but no, no, seriously though, they, you know, the, the, the scream about the wages and, and we need more money. We need more money. Well, I also, you know, we need more skills. If you want to make more money, we need you to have more skills. Do, do I agree with the, the minimum wage thing? No, but I think minimum wage should be abolished. There should be no, no, no set amount that an employer should have to pay somebody. Okay. I have a lot of policy suggestions from my mind as a libertarian that totally pulls the rug out from under this argument um, or that, benefits your argument if you make under 70k or even let's put up put a line on it then there's no fica there's no fica there's no medicaid that that first of all that shouldn't even be ripped out of your paycheck right you need as much money as possible so there should be no system the system shouldn't apply to you in terms of the one third of your income that's ripped out of your paycheck that goes to the government if you make under a certain amount. Well, and that's the other thing. So there's one, I mean, that's just one of many things that could be done. But you said that now, let me throw this at you. So, you know, you, you okay. I, I, you're, you're trying to get a job for me right now. Hypothetically, you, you, you're going to come paint for me. Right. Cause that's okay. why I do in real life. I paint houses. I do love cutting out a room. It's a good arm workout. Nice. I like that. So, and, and you're hired by the way, but, uh, but you know, so we talk, and I say, I'm going to pay you hypothetically $20 an hour, right? And you agree to that. You have consented to that $20 an hour. Now, at that point, it's not my problem that the government has extorted half of your money from you. You know, people try to say it's, it's, it's only a third. It's not a third. If you're a homeowner, you pay property taxes. You, you pay a grocery tax. You pay a taking a shit tax. You got to pay taxes on your toilet paper, y'all. Like straight up, you got to fucking wipe your ass and you pay taxes for wiping your ass. This is how bad it's gotten, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's the, the our country was founded on the whole premise of- But who's your oppressor at that point? Who's your oppressor at that point? It's not your employer. The employer's not the one take. The employer's paying you. Well, and it's illegal as an employer to hand people money. And so outside of the system. So it's not legal for bartering. I'll, I'll give you that. You're supposed to, when you trade for services, claim what you benefit. So if you go, if, if I have a friend that fixes my car, details my car, and then I help him out by doing legal work for him. I'm breaking the law. So, and the government, what the government will do is try very, very hard to make sure they're getting a piece of everything. You know, and this bleeds through everything. The government's going to do what is in benefic beneficial to the government. We need to remember that. Not the people, the government. Mm -hmm. So, geez, marijuana would have been legalized a long time ago had they figured out how to tax it and make tax revenue off of it, they needed to figure out how to tax marijuana like they did it, why they do alcohol or gambling, gambling. I mean, the government is the biggest organized crime faction in the world. You can traffic people across the border to your own benefit. You can stoke gambling and drugs. You can traffic weapons. But, if you're the government, you can traffic The government weapons. needs to make sure it gets its piece. 
So when you point that out, that, this, that the government is supposed to be this benevolent, this benevolent entity that provides a safety net, it's like, oh, no, no, no. They're about their own revenue stream. This is about their own revenue stream. If you could slap a social security number on a fetus and build out an economic structure and have people report in as to when they were when they were pregnant and at what at what uh, level and it made sense on a spreadsheet the government would do it but you got to put a so you got to give it you give a child a social security number as early as possible so you can track the child the government perpetuates for the government and and, and i i have, I have good great friends from from andy i work beside some of the most brilliant minds and we have these philosophical conversations. In India, a water control engineer convinced the Indian government that there was all this leakage because you had direct trade and direct barter. And he mapped it out because he, by analogy, took a plumbing system and he said, look at all this leakage where people are directly engaging in, Sean, you paint my house and then I'm going to help, I'm going to come over and help you and your wife out. And he showed where all the tax revenue was being lost because in society, people were just helping each other. The scariest fucking thing to a government, Sean, is when people just directly help each other. That's exactly, and that's right. black market so, shit. And this so they went, they went to a no cash based society, bunch of, you know, it's, to me, it's common sense, right? And to you, it's common sense. But God, I pray that your, your um, platform just explodes in popularity because it's just about reaming through these ideas in people's minds and theories that have nothing nobody has to read all the crap that i read in higher education to understand what to you and me is common sense right? it's like, you know it, it's not it's about what you learn in, in the education system because pretty much now let well let me say this you, you need to learn shit. You need to learn how to do your math. You need to learn how to write. You need to know how to do, you know. You it's exercising. It's like going to the gym. You need to exercise your mind. Your like breath. those things you need to do. The whole American history concept that we were taught is something that was a total farce. Now, obviously, I, 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 I love my teachers that I have in my life. I have educators in my life and I love them very much, you know, and they're doing the best they can with the services that are provided for I, I feel so bad for our teachers man yeah you know but the fact of the matter is is that you know the the government indoctrination camps get billions of dollars billions of dollars in tax revenue every year we're talking billions we're talking ukraine money okay they're the, the schools are getting ukraine money and i will tell Why you are teachers still having to buy shit it, for their classrooms it's not it's, it's, it's not the amount of money. Like I, like you and I talked about earlier, money doesn't solve addiction. Money doesn't solve. There is no correlation between how much money school district gets and how good it is because oh. private schools spend a fraction of the money and give it a lot of times just as good of an education or better and prepare the kids. Um, Detroit public schools is a good, good example the budget and how much money is spent. There is no correlation between how much money you spend per people and the quality of the education. The quality of the education has to do with how good the teachers are, how good the coaches are, how good the leadership is. So if you've got teachers to your point that are just, it's it's an art, it's their passion, they give a shit. You're not gonna have a shooting. You're not, you're, you're gonna have kids come out. My kids school district where they go, we. We specifically aim to move back here to move to this particular area. Um, 
because we had the ability to do so, but it's because I believed in the leadership and I believed in their value system and that they were doing what was best for the benefit and the well-being of each individual student. They are fighting for individualized education in an ever-growing consolidated school model. So the federal government wants your kid to be a number, right? And because that's what the bean counters and that's what the spreadsheets say to do. It's money. Um, and they want their ends in terms of determining curriculum. They want power over the thought process. They want to indoctrinate, to your point. Let's just call a spade a spade. But yes. I will say, um, when you have individual teachers that are okay with stoking your children's critical thinking and providing those opportunities for kids to practice critical thought and oration and debate and think, practice thinking, um, make mistakes. That's what education is. Like, let's make mistakes and learn from our mistakes and um, really learn about diversity. Let's talk about diversity in a consolidated school system where they're having to divide the engineering kids up and the art kids over here and track the kids earlier. When you've got a bigger growing and growing and growing and growing, number one, the kids are tracked earlier. So they're separated and segregated based on their interests. Number two, so they're around, they're not around kids that are diversified. You don't right. have the kid who's going to be an engineer working beside a, a kid who is going to be an art major or go and be an artist. That's a problem. Now, can a human being get that and the importance of the Harvard methodology of being around a diverse type, diverse segments of people where they can learn from people that come from different points of view? Yeah, if you're really rich and your parents send you to Harvard or Yale, you can go. Well, it all depends on who's yeah. in your ear. But not in the public school system where you're just cattle and you're a number and you're issued a number. So okay. there's studies on this in terms of human beings and how they best learn and smaller is better and localized is better and I, I think it was Berkeley school district in Michigan but there are some school I think it was Berkeley where they opted out they said no thank you I don't care if you tell us we're not a blue ribbon school and don't give us federal funding that's fine bye-bye we don't need your money we're gonna stay local we don't we're not we're opting out we're opting out so it can be done and I mentioned this when I was at the podium for the Libby Awards it's uh, school schools have opted out. Sandy Springs, Georgia did this. You had a libertarian woman get elected in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and she just flat out opted out of this idea that government needs to solve everything. Was she school board or what did she get elected as? She got elected as mayor of Sandy Springs and she got rid of the entire government. There were four government employees and yeah, and the, the roads are perfect because and, co and companies moved there. So Samsung, BMW, their headquarters are there. And they took care of the surrounding road. The road, you could, they're pristine. You could eat off the roads because the companies wanted their headquarters to be beautiful. And the companies sponsored and educated a lot of the kids. You see that in Michigan. You see without Ford and without the big three, we wouldn't be powerful in robotics competitions. They're supplementing these private right. public partnerships are supplementing the education. Without the private sector and the powerful private sector, education suffers. I mean, you've got, when I was running for a Lieutenant Governor with Jellinu, I went to M1. M1 is this racetrack. It's this really cool racetrack. This entrepreneur- um, Talking about Pontiac? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. People that own fancy schmancy cars, they have garages there. It's really cool. I have some friends with garages there and it's cool. 
And what it was is he was whining and dining a lot of the bureaucrats and the people running for office and giving them what they call hot laps. They put a helmet on us and they run us around the track and they, and they let us each do an individual speech, but it was cocktails and lunch. The government was asking him to invest more in the surrounding roads and the infrastructure in Pontiac. So when people talk about, well, what are we going to do without government? We'll do just fine without government. Government needs to be minimized, sunset, reduced. We need to take care of each other directly on the ground. And I pointed that out. I said, uh, you realize that we're eating and drinking off of the fruits of an entrepreneur and of a small business person who, without him, um, you'd have stagnation in this area of the city. There'd just be sheer stagnation. Well, Pontiac, Pontiac. So let's let's give some people, you know, outside of Michigan who who don't know better a picture of Pontiac. So Pontiac is part of Oakland County, which at at one point, Oakland County in Michigan was in the top three richest counties in the United States. It's not there anymore, but at one point it was. Um, they let the city of Pontiac like go to shit. Like literally, Pontiac was a shithole that the roads were garbage, the government did nothing, the local governments were doing anything. The county let it go. They let the sports team leave. Like that's where the Detroit Lions were. We're actually in Pontiac. They had the Pontiac. I know it's terrible and it shows my colors, but it went left. But that's no, but that's exactly what happened. It went and, left. You know, yeah. here, here they are now. It's slowly starting to rebuild, but for well over a decade, they didn't even they couldn't even have police. The, the, the Oakland County Sheriff had to take over Pontiac because they couldn't even have police there. You know, that's how bad the richest, one of the richest counties in the entire United States let this city go down like that. They just let it go and nobody gave a fuck. And now all of a sudden they're doing things like you're talking the M1 concourse where they have the race cars and stuff. And they're building up the downtown a little bit more and things are starting to happen. And it's all through privatization. Yeah, they said they segregated they literally, and they, you see this going on in LA, like remember in the eighties, there was this band called Skid Row. I think it was Skid Row. Oh my God. Sebastian Bach, of course. Oh, he was so hot, wasn't he? He just was on Mass Singer. I just oh watched gosh. him. He was on the Mass Singer. He lost and they unmasked him or whatever. It's, uh, I'm a big eighties hair metal guy. So, so yeah. am I. I, I sometimes I want to admit to it, but yeah, I'm like, yeah. Right. Yes. Major crush on Axl Rose. Um, ah. I love that. Even show. now, he's like so fat and like. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Something about a preacher's son. Um, but anyway, we digress. He, uh, I think, I think that it was intentional. I think they segregated. What they did is what they did. They're doing in LA, where they just put. They're pushing all. They push everyone, or they. It's purposeful, because every community has issues, right? Mm. Every community has issues. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some Wizard of Oz that's carving out areas of major cities and saying, let's put all the problems there. Maybe it's more natural and more natural, like you said, like people gravitate towards like people. And um, I don't know. I would be interesting to see what how that happened, how Pontiac happened or how it failed and how it succeeded. That would be an interesting study. That would be an interesting thing to look at. I, I, I oh get deeper into that because it really did. It got so bad there. And I never understood it whatsoever because of the County that it was in. And I'm not too sure where Oakland County is at 
you know, I don't even know if it's in the top 10 anymore, but at one point, especially when Pontiac went to shit and they didn't have any police or anything like that, that's while they were part of one of the richest counties in the, in the nation. And yeah, well, they have school of choice now. So people living in Pontiac, their kids have this hope of possibly going to different school districts and it's frustrating. It's frustrating to say the least, because again, I know teachers in that district and they, they need uh, support. They need help. Right. And um, Oakland County's still up there. I, it's Oakland, Wayne, Macomb, that Michigan in general is going south, I think. Well, Michigan's been going very south for a yeah. long time. And, and, you know, the naysayers will be like, oh, the, the economy is doing great. Well, let me tell you something, guys. I'm a trades guy, and the trades are the first ones to see how the economy is going, whether it's good or bad, and it's not good right now. Wait, I already have the answer. I know why. Leadership. Oh. Well, I, I recall now. What a concept. Being, yeah, studying, <laughs> studying M&A, and I think I was out a lot before I went into law school. The Pontiac Silverdome, you mentioned they let the sport teams go. They let, they let that go. Um the Pontiac Silverdome had many different opportunities to be a thriving center of commerce, but it was just lack of poor leadership and vision and deal making. So there were these stages in which men came to the table and were trying to negotiate what to do. And I don't know if it's the egos of men or lack of vision or both, but I can tell you this, um, in my recent life and the recent phase I've gone through professionally, Sean, I can tell you the lack of vision, the lack of openness and the egos of men, well, this was going on with the party. It was the demise of Pontiac because it had all of the potential in the world and the wrong people were at the helm at the table negotiating what could be done next. I mean, it totally makes sense. And, and that's usually how things go. I mean, it's, yeah. it's always leadership who brings things down. And that's why I am- Or so, makes a difference, right? Or, or makes, makes a difference. difference. But like- yeah. At this point in our country and in, in our in our state, it's the leadership that have totally just brought things down to a, a level where I'm afraid that we might not be able to bounce back from, you know, yeah. less, you know, and this is where my anarchist side comes in. You know, I don't believe the state is the answer at any level, like the state, whether it be the state government or the federal government or even local governments, you know, local governments have a little more play in like protecting you from the federal government stuff, you know, if you get the right people in there, but that's a big if. Are you saying if it goes away, we'd all live, we'd all survive. So if the state shut down and didn't issue, we we wouldn't need them. When you say it's not the answer to any level, is that to the level of anarchy? And I'm not afraid of that because I often sit and lay awake and wonder and stare at the ceiling at night and go, Okay, if it just all disappeared, if you shut, and this happened, governments have had shutdowns and society went on and life went on. If is that the level of anarchy where your where your head goes? Yes, because the state is never the answer, and there's too many um, examples of why it's never the answer. One being education, one being healthcare, um, one being you know. The protection of our rights or borders, you know, nobody's going to know how to protect their rights or their their private property better than themselves. So what you're saying is name any example and the private sector always does it better than the state. 
the private sector will always do it better than the state. That's pretty Ayn Rand of you. There's there's no one example about it. Look at our look at our examples that we have, you know, a la um, education and and healthcare. Without government, why would why would would healthcare be astronomical amounts of money to just my wife and I are shopping health insurance right now, you know, because we're going to switch companies or whatever. What a shit show. (laughs) You're so funny. I always say the example of the model of pure free enterprise in medicine is LASIK. Have you ever heard this? Yes. Yeah. So LASIK was expensive, but the prices dropped because of competition and there was no government. Well, the insurance companies wouldn't cover it. So they were forced to. Fantastic. It opted out of the system, right? So I always point to that and say, well, if all medical procedures followed the model of LASIK surgery, everything would be cheap because (laughs) it's about who does it best. It's a specialized service. And technology it's novel it's new it's going to be expensive at the beginning but as they hone it and they do better and there's more competitors enter the market the price will drop this is econ 101 right right well so I, i'm with you on this i can't think of any i mean even utilities i often say well if water were handled by a company like dte we wouldn't have had people poisoned it's it's if it were like electricity when the electric when the storm comes and the lines are down, I get on the DTE app and private company has to do what the private company does because I pay the private company. It's about market share and doing better. Unfortunately, three different government agencies were in control of water. So they were all pointing the finger. (laughs) I pay for my water here in the city. You know, I, and, and as a matter of fact, it went from you know, I paid about $250 to $275 every quarter for my water. That's every quarter, right? Would you and rather have a private? Co- well, this, I know your answer on this. You're well, no, all of a sudden they came in and, and dug up. I live off of a boulevard and they dug up the boulevard and put these drains down in there. And now all of a sudden I have a monthly water bill that is actually $90 a month. Monthly instead of. to $275 every quarter. Now we're at $90 a month, like clockwork. I I, I take the same showers, use the same amount of water. There's nothing new under the sun here. Nothing has changed. But now- I will say, I go to the Arizona or California friends that just got back from the Saudi Emirates and they're just, water, we take it for granted in Michigan. Right. We take it for granted. I mean, it's- it's a hot commodity in other places. Yeah, and our governor is literally selling water rights that doesn't even belong to her to these bottled water companies when it should be it should be in house. It should be for the surrounding states. It should be for, you know, anybody who's part of the Great Lakes system. That that should be their water. And if we want to sell it to people, we can sell it to people. You don't just get to give it away. Especially when you don't the government doesn't own anything. So how can you sell the rights to the water? If you don't own it, this is the craziness that happens. In that our- was my argument at the podium regarding the stupid trademark in the party. But it's the same conceptual argument. The party is not owned by certain people in the party. The party is not owned. You know what I mean? It's a separate entity. It's a separate legal entity. Right. So how can how can some you know government official just say, hey, this belongs to us, so we're going to sell it to you? How can the government own land? 
How can governments own land? They can't produce anything. How can they own it? They anything? own everything. I'm we pay we are paying taxes to live on them. Like, well, I, my house is owned by the government. My property is owned by the government because I have to pay to be here. You don't own shit. I don't own shit. Nobody owns shit. You you can buy your house. You could pay your house off. You could have no mortgage. But guess what happens if you don't pay your property taxes? They're gonna come and take your house. So you're going to find this really fascinating. Most of the time people do when I talk about this, there is a concept in law called adverse possession, which still exists in Michigan. And people that are pro-private property rights, such as myself, and most libertarians, um, love the fact that Michigan is an adverse possession state. What is adverse possession? If you live somewhere for 15 years, so if you go up north, you put your stakes down and you put a house down and you um settle and you don't leave and you're there continuously and inversely this is on the bar exam swear to god people don't believe me it's yours it's yours and michigan still has these it's like the ultimate squatters rights but it has to do with property property rights so if you've ever drive up north and you see random mobile homes and trailers in the middle of Oh yeah, that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, Michigan is one state where adverse possession still is the law. So, if you have a property dispute and you have used ten feet of your neighbor's property, open and hostily, and driven on that side of the property for over fifteen years, and you can prove it in court, it's yours. That's fucking crazy. Which, God, it's called adverse possession. Which goes to show that property rights mean nothing anymore. They mean nothing. I actually, uh, I, you know, I'm in the paint world or whatever. So I, I run across a lot of people from, from different walks of life. And, and one of these, one of these clients I did a quote for, um, I didn't end up doing her job, but, uh, she works for the, for the district court, one of the local district courts out here. Yeah. And we were talking about, I don't even know how it came up, but property rights came up. And she looked at me right in the eyes and said, they don't care about property rights. A woman that works for the court, like she's somebody for the court. I don't want to give away her position or whatever, but she's somebody for the court and looked me right in the eyes. Mm -hmm. and property rights mean nothing. Look, the courts have, let's say the courts are a business, theoretically. The courts gain market share when people don't get along and they argue. It's the same thing that you are trying to tell the party and I'm trying to tell the party. We lose power when we infight and they win. And so they don't care about, they're not righteous about what is right and wrong. They need the revenue. They need revenue to, they, they need the right to exist. There's this organizational philosophy or theory that I have, and I can't take credit. A, a, a guy that I dated a long time ago, Sean Floyd, he came up with this term and it's this, it's just like an animal, any company, any organism, any government body, they're going to self-perpetuate. They're going to do whatever it takes to survive. They may even sell out their own value system in order to, to just to live, to survive. It's like an organism, right? So just because their charter or their belief says a certain thing, by virtue of just trying to, to breathe come or grow, churches are like this. They mean one thing, but to survive, they're going to just go entirely against, you, you could find hypocrisy in what they do companies go through this so i don't know this idea that the government is there to solve everybody's problems 
The government shrinks is problem. The government has to shrink if they really do their job well. It's the problem lawyers have. Billable hours go down if you actually clean up people's lives and make them get along and do what's right. If you treat your clients like your brothers and you want you want better for them, you don't stoke you don't stoke the fighting. You don't poke the fighting. You get everybody in a room and you mediate it. It's the same thing with pharma. If they really make people healthier, their market share goes down. It's the same thing with hospitals. It's this double-edged sword, right? Right. So I guess the only people I want in leadership are the people that understand that. Like, where's the ethical line of, okay, we need to exist, but we should be doing what's right. You know, we need to be doing what's right. I look at we it need like- need to stop self-perpetuating where it crosses the value, our values. Well, the bottom line is, is that we need, we need leadership that is going to let the people lead themselves. You're not a parent, Sean, but you could be, you'd be the best parent in the world because it's like parenting. You don't want to raise your children. The government is, there's this Latin term in local parentes. You never want to raise your kids to go out in the world and fail and not be able to self-subsist. Right. Right. That's shitty parenting. Yeah, and I cool. often say the difference between a, a Democrat parent and a Republican parent is one is the helicopter parent that's wiping their kid's ass and is crippling them because they want, they want that child dependent on them for life. Little Johnny right. and Susie is going to live with mommy and daddy forever. And the other one is, you know what, it's going to be a little bit hard, but and I don't want to say Republican. I, I should say, I agree with you. Republicans are Democrats moving in slow motion. That's, that's all they are. Yep. That's all they are. But it's a philosophy the difference of philosophy well i mean but the the end goal for for the republicans and democrats is always control and it and, and they'll use fascism to get their point across to one side or the other and they both do it and it and it works it I works so fucked believe up believe their own bullshit that's the yeah. problem like when you point out the fact and i've been in a room debating a lot and you point out flat out what you feel is wrong or where they're off and they, some of them, most of them, they've drank their own Kool-Aid. But they really believe that what they're doing is, is right, is correct. They do believe it. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's absolutely Like, nuts. enforcing your ideals on anyone is wrong. Like, for the left to force their ideals on the right is wrong and vice versa. Like, forcing your ideals on someone else is wrong. You say, they say the people who are individualists are the extremists. That is not true at all. No, we're promoting our ideals. We promote our extreme ones are the ones who are pushing control. Control is extreme. I don't care how they spin it. Control is extreme. As long as somebody is not hurting somebody, taking their stuff, or violating private property, it does not matter how they are living their lives. It is literally none of nobody's business. They can be whatever they want to be as long as they aren't doing said things. It's so crazy. But they'll be like, well, I don't like that because, well, um, I'm, I'm a Christian nationalist. Or I don't like that idea because I'm a, you know, trans cup, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. It You could be all those things. You could totally be all those things. Stay the hell out of each other's way and don't fuck with each other. It's that simple. It's yeah, I agree. Live and let live, right? Yeah, but- it's the state who's making you check the boxes and, and qualifying you and tracking people and, and doing a census and deciding who is part of what bucket and who is part of what segment. It's, it's not 
the state and I don't I don't I don't damn the state as much as I damn the major parties they're they're fighting for a share they're fighting against each other and um in the 80s and the 70s the republicans were very very good at saying okay how do we align with powerful money sectors how do we align with the banking sector and the oil how power is in getting all these segments of society the religious right uh the black folk right so they collect all this data just like you see with ai and technology they have a profile on you they have a profile on me right and they're going to market to our profile and manipulate us marketing is this psychologically manipulative as leadership it's and it's fascinating shit because people are very very impressionable they're easily swayed when you sit there and you're like how are over 50 supposedly 50 percent of the people lining up like cattle like sure put it in my arm how nobody knows what went down at nuremberg nobody remembers tuskegee nobody like okay you go first right you go first because all of it's been labeled conspiracy theory all that stuff you just brought up has been labeled conspiracy labeling yeah and it's whoever whoever is in control of the airwaves right and this is my concern for you is i want to figure out the algorithm i want to figure out why i don't think nefariously of like Elon Musk, I don't. I think there's a lot of very, very moneyed, wealthy libertarians that stay very quiet. I know a few. Um, because it's scary as fuck to come out and say the things you say and I say, and they have, with all due respect, a lot more to lose than you and I. Okay. Right. And we got to figure out how to just continue to have these conversations. And that's where guys like you, I mean, it, it's ballsy. It's I admire, I admire you for that. You know, I'm not sugarcoating anything for anybody. I'm going to tell you exactly. I, I, I thrive on that. That's, that's one thing that I, I pride myself on is I'm going to tell you like it is and say the things that most aren't going to say. And it's going to hurt a lot of feelings and piss a lot of people off. And I've had some really fucked up shit said to me in a few, in even a few shows ago. What, What is, what is the worst thing that has been said? Okay. What is it? I had my life threatened. Um, a few on the air. No, no. Um, see, see, that's what happened when I ran for office, Sean. No, that's this why was, this was like, why are you running for office again? No, I'm a mother. Yeah, this was this was somebody I I spoke out against what's going on in the Middle East, and because I'm I'm I don't hate Jews by all means, and and let me let me put this out there right now. I um, want to be Jew. My husband and I joke that. We think it's the coolest relationship. <laughs> we wish we were more. It's, like, uh, it's amazing. It's fascinating. I actually live in a Jewish neighborhood. My my neighborhood is Jewish and black. That is my neighborhood. I am the minority here. And that's fine. I don't care. I don't care about any of that stuff. But just to paint a picture of where I'm at, um, it, it's a very Jewish area. There's and, and the Orthodox Jews at that, where, where they go to the temple on Saturday, you see the people in the hats and the curly sideburns coming out. You see all that here. Um but you know, I I'm not against the Jewish people, and I am not against the Palestinian people. What I am against is their governments that hold their people hostage. So when I'm saying stuff like "fuck Israel" and "fuck Palestine," I'm saying it's "fuck the government." Fuck. I yeah. God bless those people. They don't deserve that. None of them really. Same thing. A lot of the anti-China sentiment that some of the old hat 
crusty old Republicans will drone on about it or the anti-Russia shit. It's like separate the people from the government. Joe Biden will stand up and go, I am the people. The government is the people. And it's like, oh. Oh, man, when they say shit like that. Me, it makes me get sick in my mouth. It's like it, 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 nobody. That is no, no, mister. That's not that's literally the very first sentences in our founding documents, it's a government of the people. They're two separate things <laughs> and one relies on the other. So I, I think you have to separate the people that are subject, they're subjected to the policies of the government. They're innocent. They're totally they're, innocent. They're they're utterly innocent. They're, subject, just, they're, they're suffering as much as we are. Right. Or worse, like we're not dodging bombs and bullets here. Like nobody wants that. Nobody, that's terrifying. Are you kidding me? You we have, have every ability to stop that foreign conflict or to not allow it to happen. We are so powerful. And that's, this is what's scary, scary to me. I spent a shitload of money on education. I'm still paying student. I'll pay, pay student loans till I die. That's my wife. <laughs> I already love her then she then she's a curious mind oh, yeah. um we put saddam hussein in power and then we hung him for us to right now think that we didn't have the power we had an administration that was in office whether you hate him or love him who cares it's, it's cult of personality we didn't have any foreign conflicts okay there's peace there, we, it didn't happen when during trump yeah there were no, there were but no, he escalated he escalated yemen and he escalated syria Nobody was dying. There was no war. There were no for it. We didn't have war. We didn't have war. If he escalated, it was it was to maintain this balance of power, right? Well, to his credit, he didn't want to. This is what I got from even Scott Horton, who's one of the greatest yes. to do it. Um, um, but, you know, it wasn't the fact that he wanted to escalate these things. It was the fucking neocons chirping in his ear, telling him, you need to do this. You need to do this. And he cracked, you know. That's yeah, you only have so much power. He's not, you only have so much power when you're a figurehead and you're, you're in a government that's, it's supposed to be that way. You're supposed to have balance of power. The judiciary has the same amount of power than the legislative branch and the executive branch. It was supposed to be a balance and the checks and balances of power. This idea that whoever gets elected matters that much. If you think Joe Biden, who's like a Roomba after he leaves the, pro, the podium, he's like a human Roomba. You don't even know where he's going, dude. <laughs> I took that from one of the best comedians right now that are out there. He's hilarious, but it don't, I don't give me credit for comedic value. Um, but yeah, no, we have power to effectuate what's happening in terms of foreign conflict, even as a decreasing world power with declining influence. We could have prevented that. We didn't. We chose not to. So that's pretty sad. That's, that's sort of the things that make too. me upset that make my stomach turn because there's no sanctity of life. There's no, they don't care. The leadership of this country doesn't care about either side. It benefits the United States or it benefits people that have monetary control and power for there to be conflict in the Middle East and the people's lives over there on both sides don't matter enough. And that's the bottom line. So people say, well, you have a lot of militia people in your party. How can you say you're the party of peace? And it's like, yeah, we are also called isolationists that you take care of yourself. You take care of your backyard and yourself and your community before you go meddling in other people's shit. Right. Like, and then to be mad that there may be 
foreign influence in elections. You, the U.S. would have never, we're a young country, we would have never even been founded if it weren't for France. Foreign meddling happens. It's, it's just part of the fact that we're in a global, macro, complex world where countries are playing with each other. Okay? It's complex. Central banking power, though. This is all, this is all central banks. This is how deep it goes. It's, it's yeah. foreign policy is central banking. They they go hand in hand. They're peas and carrots as far as follow the money. You know, oh my God, the the great Greek, my boy George, man. He he's old school. He's 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 old school Greek dude, and he's the first time I ever heard somebody say follow the money. Follow. Always find your answers when you follow the money, and he was spot on. As soon as he said that, and he said that to me during the Obama era. We were working at Olive Garden together, waiting tables. He's like, you got to follow the money, man. You got to follow the money because I'm bitching like Obama this and Biden that, you know, and fuck, you know, whatever. I'm mad. He's like, no, follow the money, man. He goes, it's not just them. Follow the money. And so I started doing that. And, you know, and it, it always it always takes you to the central bank. It always either takes you to the Fed or IMF World Bank or BlackRock. That's and we're going to get called conspiracy theorists for saying this, but why do we think human nature has changed that much in 300 years where the leaders and the kings of France and of Portugal and of Great Britain were sitting there safe in their lavish palaces, the way our leadership sits safe with their kids in private schools, their $30,000 ice cream refrigerators, mm -hmm. and make these policy decisions where they don't care. They don't care that there's families in bunkers and people unburying their 10-year-olds out of rubble and dragging. They don't care, dude. They don't care. They don't care. And so, you know, is our party the most ethical party? Yes, absolutely. Flat out. And that's why, as scary as it is to speak out sometimes, um, it's just blatantly, and it's idealistic. We come off as very idealistic. Right, right. We say scary, negative things, but and we our ideals seem too far, too far of a reach. They make us seem ridiculous. They paint the Libertarian Party as um, extreme, and they have more power to market against our image than we have power and money and ends to counteract it. Right, right. So that's why we lose. It's like, well, what is the party going to do? Can the party really? I don't know. It's David versus Goliath. It's David versus Goliath because they're they paint us with this swath of of radicalism, right? It's like okay, we're radical. The founders of the country were radical. Then, then the founders of the, the country the, were radical. Our ideals are literally <laughs> the country was brought to us by an insurrection. Like they talk about the J six, like that was a real insurrection. I'm like, no, the real insurrection was 1776 when those motherfuckers went in and took what was theirs. Right. That was an insurrection. What happened in J six was a bunch of pissed off Trumpers that, you know, it was a riot at best. It was a, yeah. an insurrection. Get the fuck out of here. That was a false flag. I, I think that, and it's brilliant. It was brilliantly played by the left. Um, well, the feds did that. The feds started yeah. We have video they let him in. They literally like ushered him in, ushered him in. And then you had a bunch of leadership cowling under the, it got out of hand. It got out of hand. But really who threw the first grenade? Who broke the first glass? Are we really going to, the investigation, all the money that was spent in the investigation on January 6th, are you really, are we really going to see all of that? Are we really going to understand what really happened? 
you had an African-American cop shoot a military veteran. She died. You had a cop die of a blood clot and an aneurysm a couple weeks later in the hospital. But for weeks, the national press and the normal press junket was a police officer died of bludgeoning by a, a fire extinguisher who was beaten in the head. And there's no sanctity in journalism anymore. There's no, there's no journalistic rule of impartiality. People right. can't take their bias and check their bias. Like, I know I'm biased. Like, my disclaimer when I get on here with you is this is not news. This is not news. You and I are not doing journalism. We're bloviating and we have opinions and we're biased and we have biases and we lay them out there right at the get-go. And we, we talk to each other as human beings and say, okay, well, here's where I'm biased. Here's where I'm coming from. You know, I come from a military father and an immigrant mother and working my ass off to get through school. And that's where I come from. You know, they don't do that. That's not what the new, the news does anymore. All it is is marketing. It's paid for marketing. That's why well, there's market share. The media's job is literally literally to keep the working class at each other's throat. That's what their job is. That is that is what the media's sole purpose is to do. Um, Have you heard of Project Mockingbird? Yes. I Operation Mockingbird, Operation, Operation Paperclip, Operation Northwoods, the Tuskegee experiment, you know, all Careful, that. Careful, you're going to be viewed as a, as a conspiracy. <laughs> oh, dude, I've already had shows taken off YouTube, like, but all this stuff. What happens out. when they're all correct? What happens when they all factually occurred? That's I, the I, I was just talking to my mom about Kennedy yesterday. Like, you know, the first time the word conspiracy theory was ever brought to the world was from the media when they were, when people were talking about Kennedy being killed by the government and the media said, no, absolutely not. They, these people are quote unquote conspiracy theorists. Well, guess what, you guys? That first conspiracy theory actually proved to be true. The CIA go, go look at Kennedy's secret society speech where he does what I talked about earlier. And he basically says, look, when we make mistakes in our own party and we're not being transparent to the people we serve, we need to admit to those mistakes. No, and but they killed pull, Kennedy. Go, go, go watch his speech. All right? No, I will. But all like, the great ones, Martin Luther King. Well, Saint they Peter, killed him too. A Republican, Malcolm X. Malcolm X, same thing. Malcolm, Malcolm X, X spoke the truth. Malcolm X came truth. out and would say that white liberals are the most scary people in the entire world. He came out and said that himself, a black man who's supposed to be quote unquote liberal because the media tells everybody that black people just need to be Democrat liberals or whatever it may be. That's what, you know, that's what yeah. they want it to be where, you know, you got people like Winsome Sears, you know, who is the Lieutenant governor in Virginia you know, when she got elected, yeah, I believe it's Virginia. And she was like, no, we're sick of the left coming into our communities. Who She's a black woman. We're sick yeah, of I the like left her. coming into our communities. Way to stand up. And yeah. saying, you know, that you own us, that we have to vote for you per se. That's not verbatim, but something along those lines. Like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, the answer is small little moves of civil disobedience. It's these small motions. It's the Rosa Parks sitting in the front of the bus. It's just saying no, saying that nah, I'm going to opt out. I don't, I don't buy it. And the vaccines were an example of that where enough people had balls and they were like, okay, fire me. I'm going to stay on. And they dragged it out. I can name a couple major companies here in the, in the automotive sector where it was, okay, my career 
but because this company is a government supplier and we supply to the uh, Borg, um, I'm being told I have to do this or I lose my career, you know, high paying career. And there were enough people that went, nah, we're just going to not respond to the HR department. And I was on the phone with um, a law firm that offered this Zoom call or this meeting of what, you know, what it, free advice on vaccine, man, because it was an unknown, we're in uncharted territory, right? And I was getting calls left and right. And I was running my own company and had my own policies, but I had to comply to a certain extent. I don't know if you know this, but the police showed up at my door in Auburn Hills, the company out and told us to shut down. Police. It was like China, dude. <laughs> and, and I was wearing a baseball hat and a mask. And we were distancing and we were doing extra cleaning. And I, I had written the COVID policy per Oakland County directive. And here comes a cop big guy and he slips paper through my vestibule door and it was cease and desist and and uh poor guy you know I, I, he's only doing what he's been told to do right but he said I don't know in typical police guy form I don't know who around here decides that you're essential and that you're supposed to be up and running but I see cars in the parking lot and um you need to shut down and I was, I was shaking, you know, the libertarian in me is coming out and I'm like, well, um, it's, it's me that decides that we're essential. And I'm sure I looked like a little factory worker, little brown person that works in the factory and my, it looks like a factory. <laughs> but uh, I said, just like my parents, when they go to the grocery store to pick up groceries, they, they're deciding that that's essential to eat. Right. I'm deciding that what I'm doing is essential. I said, I hope you're shutting down Arby's up the street because Arby's is running. Is a beef and cheddar essential? Right. Yeah. I, I was like, Lord, I said, I tell you what, it isn't you that decides what's, what is essential, but the China police force is hiring right now. You can move to China and then the police can dictate what's essential. But right. this is America. So you work for me. You work for me. Right. You keep me safe. You serve me. And I, I was shaking. So then I go back to my office. I take my baseball hat off and I start typing a letter to the police force. The police chief there is a phenomenal leader. And I ended it with stay safe. And I know it's an uncertain time. And I know you were probably told to do this. They were told. The Auburn Hills Police oh, Department yeah. go around and shut down businesses. Um, and a lot of businesses, they just complied. Yes. You look at the swaths of people during Hitler to Germany all doing this. And it's like, how many, if the masses are incurably ignorant, like Plato said, and they're just going to nod their heads and comply and not do any deep critical thinking, we're fucked. And that's why the founders didn't pick a pure democracy, because they were pretty well certain that over 50% of the population would not have the time and the impetus to study political theory and law. They were worried about mob rule, right? They were, they said a pure democracy is going to fuck any country. So what we need to do is this electoral college where the people with the time to really sit down and think about what's best are going to go part-time as leaders in their community and do what's best. Part-time, not full-time bureaucrats, part-time. Lawyers, farmers, people from all walks of life would travel four times a year and they would lead their communities. Not full-time bullshit, six figures a year that we have now, but limited government. So it, it's like, don't get me started, but I wrote a letter to the chief and I was ready for this. Sean, here's the thing. I was ready for this. 
the customers and clientele we were serving, we were doing hospital lighting, surgical lighting, we were doing clean, uh, the circuit boards that we were making, uh, cleanse, they were in cleanse droppers. So the air goes through the air ducts and you've seen this, they can drill in and install UV lighting in the air ducts yeah. and create clean room environments for manufacturing or um, it can sanitize the air. They have house, they have residential, residential units too, where your HVAC people can come in and they can sell these as an add-on for a few hundred bucks. They can drill in these UV light disinfectant in your air ducts and it sanitize, it kills the bacteria and the dust going through your, your house. Yeah. You know, all this stuff my company was doing, but I, they were sending me essential letters. Like you are an essential to the supply chain for hospitals, which is huge at the time of COVID. And um, if you have any issues with your local authorities, then let us know and we'll back you up. So I started attaching all these letters to, to my letter to the police chief saying, we are an essential business. And if you have a question about it, I guess I'll get a bunch of attention when you take me to court or when you prosecute me. Like, I guess it's great for business. I, I guess right. I will get free marketing. Right. It'll be fantastic. I'll enjoy it. The lawyer in me will come out. But it's um, that kind of crap. Make I tell that story so that people aren't afraid to speak truth to power and to question just because somebody's in a uniform or about the government. Sometimes the government's wrong. The government's wrong a lot. And, and there's what's legal and then there's what's ethical. <laughs> there's two different things, right? Long but the plan is the same. It's great. It's yeah, so yeah. And, and I tell my kids that all the time too. I said, if you... If you need rules and you need you need a book to tell you what the parameters are, what the steps are all the time, then you're not you're not intelligent and you're not ethical. If you're an ethical, intelligent person, you, you need less rules. Right. And it makes sense. And I think right. I remember you saying something like that at your speech at the Libby's. I did. I say it all the time. But I, you know, Canada had Canada, this is what the Canada, right? All manufacturers were, but I'm biased. I'm biased because I owned a manufacturing company, but all manufacturing was deemed essential by the czar, you know, Trudeau and all of them. But yeah, trucker, the truckers in Canada, that was interesting, right? That was fun. And that ended up no, around. That was awesome. That like, was they shut awesome. down the bridge, man. I was like, shit. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Gretchen Hitler sent the, the road pirates out there to shut it down. My heart, my heart felt good. That was great. That was great. I was proud of people at that point. So yeah, this was fun, Sean. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. We've actually, shoot, man, we've been doing this for a minute, so we should probably wrap it up. But I, I appreciate your time. And, and, and you know, I, I feel like your message here is to just, you know, to tell these people no. Start saying no and put your foot down. I feel like that. So, civil that's, disobedience works. Mass noncompliance, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's just start saying no. And if you really want to get mad and, and do something, Show up on DC's doorstep, dude. And I'm not saying some J6 shit. Don't be fucking stupid. You know, let me put that caveat in there so I don't get the feds brought to my house. But like, dudes, all it takes is one to 5% of the population to show up on their doorstep and be mad. And they're going to have to change the game. That's all I'm saying. One to 5%. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I just think that you saw mass protests across the globe during these vaccine mandates and you saw hundreds of thousands of doctors say we're retiring we're, we're, we want to practice medicine 
we don't want to practice pharma. We want to practice medicine. Right, right. And it got quite to your point, what you go through with this podcast, it was quashed. You didn't see, you know, growing up the way you grew up, it would have been on the news, right? Because these protests, they, they did, they were, the effect of them was minimized because they, they got zero coverage. Um, the effect of the party when we were a major party, when Bill and I ran, our effect and what we could do was minimized because there wasn't a free press. There's no free press. No. Like that's, by the way, the only thing more important than the right to bear arms, freedom of speech and free press. Amen. Amen. And, and that is because, and look, this is why we could all show up and it's not going to matter. As a matter of fact, the left was tactically more brilliant than the right that day because they executed a beautiful false flag operation. That was, that was a beautiful execution of C they're crazy. And they, they won. It was, that's the scariest part of the whole COVID thing. Wasn't the, the media, it wasn't what the government was doing because those two entities are going to do what they do. We know that. Yeah. It was the compliance that came with it. That was absolutely terrifying. Nobody stood up for themselves. I will say this, Sean. Um, you feel that did got ostracized from the community. Yes. The, the How many Jews did Hitler kill? Over 6 million. All right. But here's what we should always point out. It was the fourth branch administrators and the people and the yes men and the people that, you know, those people that were like on YouTube saying, shame on you if you don't get back all the administrative people that the yes people, right? Those are the people that did the killing. It wasn't Hitler. It wasn't by Hitler's hands. It was literally the fourth branch administrators that were like the, the yes men and, and the German society. This is well, the, all the intellectual people too. It like was their people. are brilliant people. So when you look at that and you go, oh my God, yeah, it was his ideology but that many people bought in, and in a civilized society, that many people bought it. Yeah, that's what was happening. And I was looking around, going, "Wow, at least I know. I, if I were back in Hitler's Germany, I would have been the the minute part of the minute few that was like hiding little Jewish kids. <laughs> right? Like, I would have been like, let's do this. Let's fight the power. Like we'd be having underground tunnels and shit. We'd be figuring it out. Yeah, or like, or like the, uh, the, the, the railroad or you're, we were pulling, um, the North was pulling escaped slavery, escaped slaves and pulling them North. I mean, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to be ready to do. Yeah. Cause what, what's to come is, is not good. I don't want to black pill people too much, but what's coming is, is, is not a good situation to be in as a society, unfortunately. And there's, and, and there's only really one way out of this and, and that's Liberty. Liberty is the only way out of this, that there's, there's no Republicans aren't going to save you. Democrats aren't going to save you. You know, I don't even know if libertarians could save us at this point. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you're, you got to save yourself. You got to, you got to take care of yourself and your family. You just gave me chills. That's so true. The party's not going to save you. The whole party is based on rugged end. You just literally gave me chills. It's yeah. Like nobody's coming to save you. Nobody, you know, this isn't how this works, you know, and, and they've been saying, I've been voting since, you know, 20 or I'm sorry, 1998. Um, that was the first time I was able to vote. I voted for a governor that year. I can't even remember anymore who it was, but 
my first presidential candidate was in 20 or 2000, I'm sorry. And, and I was a Bush supporter. That is my background. You know, I would have never pegged you for that. Oh, I was big time neocon Southern Baptist kid, man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Southern Baptist kid, man. If you if you were gonna vote Democrat, you're going to hell. That's it. a lot of hellfire, a lot of hellfire and brimstone in the Southern Baptist religion. I, <laughs> That's I, so funny. Seriously, like you know, I remember them saying if the Clintons were elected, the rapture was coming, and we're all and like, mind you, I'm I'm little. I'm just like maybe eleven or twelve years old, and I'm terrified. I'm like, I don't want to die yet. Like you're you're it, it, you're so funny. Don't, don't don't elect Clinton. I don't want to die. Like, what is going on? I'm going here? to hell. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, no, that's that's just you know that's that's kind of how. It's, so that's why I'm a never Democrat, and I, I I love guns. So that was another thing. The Democrats do not like guns, and and that's that. But you know the the whole facade that you know if you get this right person elected, whoever it may be, whether it's a right or a left person, if you get the right guy elected, everything's going to be fine. It's going to change everything. That's so false. That is beyond false. I feel like every president we've had since I and, and probably beyond, but since I've been able to vote for president in, in 2000, every four years has gotten worse. It's never gotten better. It's only gotten worse. So the you country think the government's going to save you? You're, you're mistaken. You're going to say you have to save yourself. You have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your families. You have to take care of your communities. Or we're just going to continue to be slaves like we are now. I love that. That's perfect. And no, dude. <laughs> I, I I try to come with some wisdom or whatever, you know, it sounds crazy. People are like, you're just this crazy radical guy, a white guy with a mic. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, I am a white guy with a mic. That That's, that's not wrong. No, but you, don't, you don't know that though. That's the thing. You don't know that you're right. You, you, did you do genetic testing? Um, no, I had some, some family members do that stuff. I'm, I'm everything. I'm a, uh, uh, Irish Guido, uh, you know, Irish, Italian, German. You're, yeah, so you're, a, um, you're an actual American, mutt, like the tapestry of America, I'm kind of the same way. Well, if you're Caucasian, you're a mutt there's period. If you're yeah, a person, I'm half Caucasian. I, I, so that's the whole, that that's what makes this place great. Right. Anybody can come here and be American uh america but you can't go to paris and be parisian but here uh i think that's why we're the strongest right but we have to keep it that way and we have to fight to keep it that way like america's still the melting pot the melting pot right and it's why still i wouldn't want to live in any other country right now that's for damn sure but i will say this my buddy from mexico when he was saying like hey we watch this shit happen in Mexico the exact same way it's happening here. Start talking to your foreign friends. Start talking to you. If you got people from from socialist nations or communist nations, start talking to them because so they're going to be the ones to tell you that, uh, hey, your government is doing what our government was doing. They're going to be the ones to say, hey, yeah. this is really fucked up. Yeah. Countries go through life cycles, and ours is on our way out um, in terms of being a limited, a government, a constitutionally limited republic or a government that has the rails on it. Government's getting too big. So it's the natural life cycle of a self perpetuating government. It's That's sad. Correct. It's and sad. Why, and why do all governments fail, like history shows? It is the endless printing of money, the debasement of the dollar and war. That's why Rome fell. And this is what's happened in the United States right now. 
the United you know, Sean, I hope blockchain technology and Bitcoin that we the free market was going to take reign and basically put the big huge middle fingers up to sovereignty and na- and the nation sovereignty or the boundaries of, of nations being what control the monetary system. I was thinking fan-fucking-tastic because blockchain technology allows your company to interact with my company without regulation. You can just directly interrelate. This is outside of the monetary system. If they were just too powerful and they butt their heads in and uh, regulated it. So it lasted. A lot of people made good money and we did well and for a bit. And it was, it was the Wild West, but... Bitcoin is happening. It is happening. And and what people don't understand is that it's happening big time in Central and South America right now. El Salvador is completely Bitcoin at this point. They don't even use the peso or whatever the currency that they are a Bitcoin country. Um, Guatemala, Bitcoin country. Um, A lot of those places right now, everybody's freaking about out about Javier Mille, you know, going. I love love Javier. There's hope. He gives me hope. Yes. But they're like, oh, my God, he shut down his central bank just to to go get the American dollar. Do you know how big of a step up that is for them? That is like from them to go from the peso to the American dollar is the equivalent of the American dollar going back to the gold standard. That is exactly what it is. But what's going to happen is the American dollar is going to get put on the back burner because Bitcoin is going to be their main source of currency down there. I think you have the right foresight. I think we're going to lose um, we're going to lose status in terms of the dollar as a standard. Oh, the dollar's over. And it's yeah. only a matter of time. I've been, you know, one of the, before I started this whole infighting, you know, stuff on, on the show, my my main focus had been the monetary system and foreign policy. That's what I've been talking about for like almost the whole year, because I did a bunch of reading this year and it just very much interested me. And I wanted to help spread the message of Austrian economics and foreign policy for what it really is. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that I had called the dollar to go down over the summer, which was a possibility. And they were able to create another fake boom to buy themselves sometimes, which is, is exactly what they did. They printed some more money, made the fake boom, which was which was part of the reason for the, On the backs of working Americans. Yes. You know, which was part of the inflation, which started with Donald Trump. Thank you very much. You know, for all you Republicans who think that, you know, all this shit's Biden's fault. Biden didn't fucking print seven point eight trillion dollars in four years. I think he's holding the beer right now, like hold my beer. But at this point, like Trump started this and then Biden said, hold my beer. And this is where we're at. What's going to happen is, though, by the time the election comes next year, we're probably going to be roughly around 50 trillion dollars in debt we're at 34 right now and at the at the rate they're spending we're going to be 50 plus trillion by the time the next election happens if you listen to what's on standard news junkets it sounds like we're doing great oh yeah this is what they're telling people and it it it's not true like pretty much if it's coming from if it comes from mainstream media believe it's garbage that. yeah unemployment's down everybody's doing great but yeah, what's going to happen is, is the dollar is going to go under and it's going to happen by 2025. And it doesn't matter who gets elected, whether it's Trump or Biden, because one of those two assholes are going to win no matter what. And it's going to be their fault. It's going to be their fault. 
It that's what the that's what it, all the fingers are going to point. This is the person that did it. It is their fault, and there's going to be no accountability for the other trillions of dollars that Congress had passed. You, you don't on think that an independent can get elected? I think an independent can get elected. It it's possible. Yep, um, I think this is the year. I believe. I'm a believer. Well, it would be. It wouldn't be a libertarian though. It'd be RFK. That's a good. I think this is the year for a third party system to rear its head, whether it's us or somebody else. We need, I think this is the only crack where the doors crack to get our toe in. And we need to usurp the two party system in general. We need to start getting the American people thinking about the fact that, that there aren't only two types of milk or two types of bread. There's actually multiple different ways of thinking. Well, it's all about just. What do you think of him? I don't like him at all and i have receipts i have receipts and a lot of them on him about um even the vaccine stuff that he talks about he sounds brilliant dude don't get me wrong like when he went on joe rogan i listened to that whole three-hour show man he did fire he was on fire talking about the pharmaceutical uh industry and stuff like that what was his opinion similar to mine or no regarding which vaccines no his his He's he's totally come off as he is against this vaccine and okay. against all vaccines per se. But I have a receipt and it's an old one where he's saying that he trusts the pharmaceutical industry, that all his whole family is vaccinated. He's vaccinated. There is a video of him saying this. And he's also voted on gun control many times. And just recently over the summer, maybe just after the summer, he was calling for Congress to to put forth a assault weapon ban. Is he one of these people that doesn't even know what an assault weapon is? I just think he's one of the, I think, honestly, in my opinion, um, RFK is the ultimate Democrat plant. They knew exactly what they're doing. He's going to solidify Biden's reelection because what he's going to do is he's polling at over 20% right now. He's not taking votes from Democrats. Democrats aren't voting for him. He's taken votes from Trump and he's taken votes from libertarians. Libertarians are all over this guy. They love him and Vivek. And I have receipts on both of those guys that say these dudes are not what they seem. Vivek Vivek came and spoke at a manufacturing facility in Holly, Michigan. And I wanted to be there. I couldn't be there, but I wanted to be there. And friends close to me like Vivek. What's your opinion on Vivek? I agree with... 80%. 80%. I believe it was Vivek that came. Vivek, uh, uh, 80% of what he's spitting, I am on board. But the 20% that I disagree with, I disagree with so hard that I wouldn't even consider it. Really? He's okay. A hawk. He's a hawk. I he's see. Another hawk. I see. And so, you know, you lose me at war. I'm sorry, man. Like, if, if there was ever anybody who's anti war, it is me. I don't think there's any reason for it whatsoever. If these world leaders want to have a beef, get into an octagon yourselves and fight till the death. If you want (laughs) MMA, that crap, MMA, that crap. No, seriously, get in there. Celebrity death match, that shit. We're going to do this. It'll be political death match. If you want to go take somebody's territory, you go fight their person. They want to do a lot of stuff with other people's money and other people's lives. I, I think I don't know. I don't know. Like I said earlier, the problem is that the type of people, the type of people that are getting up and that are offering to lead are the type of people that believe they've drank their own Kool-Aid. You know, they really believe that they're doing the right thing. They really do. 
Well, I mean, that's everybody. That's anybody in a nutshell, though. Anybody who's trying to have a voice thinks that their voice is the best. You know, I don't necessarily think that way. I, I learn a lot from other people, honestly. And I'm not, I'm by far the best who ever does it, who's ever done this. You know, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole at, at, at this stuff. I just have a really good time doing it. I and mean, I that's the problem is these guys, if I call them out or you call them out, they're going to say, look, everybody has a right to change their mind and learn. And I don't know what the answer is, but we just have to jostle the two-party system. We have to. Well, no, they're they're the ultimate demise of what's happening. The two-party system has done exactly this. What you see in America right now and the, the trajectory of it is the result of the two-party system. It is what it is. You're not you're not gonna tell me otherwise. You're not going to, you know, say I agree. Well, this I, I did, love this, this person did that. multi-party system. I love multi-party system that and, and, and even like me loving the libertarians. I don't necessarily want the entire government to be libertarians. I think you need people to balance each other out. Yeah. I think that, you know, in a, in a perfect world, Congress and Senate would be a third of each. It would be a third Republican, a third Democrat and a third. third Independent. Independent. Yeah. Or, you know, third party. that's how you keep people in check. Also, I think it would be fucking dope. If the two people that were running against each other as president, whoever lost has to be the person's vice president. That used to be like that. That's that was the yeah. Plan. Like I think that's amazing. I think that's yeah. a great idea because then you have somebody to say, "Hey, man, you need to walk this shit back. This is yeah. a little too much." Checks and balances. Yes. I will say, I I do like the multi-party system in the in the um of Great Britain. I love Europe's multi-party system. I love the fact that the prime minister has to stand up and answer to the various different, we'll call them states, but regularly. And and they, they understand that each individual province or area is going to have different nuances and different needs and different wants. And then the prime minister has to stand up and regularly debate and handle all of the different needs of the various different areas. Now it's easier because it's a much smaller, they're all social homogenistic area. It's more homogenistic, right? In America, we have the difference between Alaska, Texas, and West Virginia, New York. You've got more diversity, so it's, it'd be a harder job. But that is the biggest argument for a multi-party system: is how much diversity we have and the different needs and requirements or the states are so very different from each other and everyone has different needs. Well, it's a different animal running Pennsylvania versus running Florida versus right. Yeah. Versus running Maine versus running California. Every state is it's has its own nuances. So I don't know. I think that would be my dream. That would be my vision is a multi-party system. Well, I mean, the ultimate dream is no government for me. That's no secret. Like I'm, I'm an anarchist. Like I, <laughs> I, I see no need for a state. I really don't see a, a need for a state whatsoever. The state brings chaos where everybody will say, well, anarchy is chaos and, and blah, blah, blah. No, the state brings chaos. They thrive on it. And that's how they keep voters is through chaos. If the state ever wanted to fix anything, they would have done it by now. But instead they need the chaos to keep the voters at each other's throats and be like, well, this guy's going to save me. This guy's going to save me. Nobody's saving you. So this is why the state is never the answer. You know, I love libertarians because 
they're the closest to the North Star. Like anarchism's the North Star for me. That's that's the ultimate goal. Libertarians are the step there because they're close. You can't have libertarianism without anarchy. You can't. It's impossible. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Don't don't violate private property. That's that's about as anarchist as you get, you know. And and that's libertarian principles. Yeah. And 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 against authority, no authoritarianism and stuff like that. Um. My 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 fear is that you know history shows that no matter what a political party's intentions were, our government's intentions were always ends up in big government. So who's to say that the libertarians aren't going to end up as big government? And that's where my anarchist side comes in. Like, what's to say they're not going to turn in to Republican or Democrat light, which is what we're seeing in the party right now. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a, a big part of the infighting is because, you know, they, they, they want to bring authoritarian ways into the party when they're supposed to be a, the party against authoritarianism. You know, and yeah, so, I mean, there's there's this the catch 22 of in order to change the system, we have to become part of the system and get into the system and work the system. So the system becomes more important and participating in it and trying to get in to change it versus really a focus on the ideals of, of what we're supposed to be doing is promoting individual liberties. So we're suckling at the tit of the system and trying to participate with it and run with it. But and why people that think that we have to do that, right? There, we have right. to do that in order to change things and make a difference. We need to get in. We need to be in the game. So, ah, I don't know. I, I have different feelings about it because I tend to be bratty about the fact that if it's not making sense and they're not doing a good enough job, then walk away. Then you just, you got to extract it from your life. You, you got to cut it out like a cancer, right? So just sounds walk, good just, to me. I mean, walk, just walk away and opt out. Just opt out. That's right. And it, and speaking of opt out, like if the government really truly believed in in liberty at all, you'd be able to opt out of their services. Period. Like if they truly believed in liberty. In freedom, you as an individual would be allowed to opt out of their services, but you can't do that. If you tried to do something like that, they would send officials to your house to kidnap you and or put you in a cage or kill you. That's yeah, what I think are. that I think that proposing policy is the best hope that we have instead of all this lawyering and infighting. I think if we're going to use lawyers, we should be drafting policy proposals and blasting those bitches out to all of the major news it, it, billboard and put them on billboards, basically shaming, shaming the government that anybody, like I was said earlier, below a certain income stream should have that ability to, to opt out of having a third to two, you know, half of their paycheck extracted. If you're below a certain income stream, how about you get to opt out, right? So right. it's, it's, if you put policy proposals together to shame the leadership into doing what is should be common sense there's a hope but that's one place where instead of the party worrying about putting people on the ballot or doing things like you said did you run to win you asked me you said when you ran did you really did you run to win we need to figure out where we can win like where are some places where we can win or win in the message stream like shame the powers that be 
local with, with our value systems, which are obviously the most ethical value systems. Let's write some legislation and say, okay, pass this legislation. And if you don't, what are you saying if you don't? If we can't push these led these ideals through, then you're basically admitting to the fact that you are not humane. You're inhumane. Right. But that's why like local, 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 local. I'll keep saying it out loud. At this point in time, the Libertarian Party is not going to win any national elections. It's not happening. I'm sorry, guys. It's it's we're not there. Um, and there's too much disarray within the party right now. What we can do is fill some very important positions in your local sector, whether it be mayor, school board, you know, road commission, sheriff, uh, you know, county clerk, city official, whatever it may be. You start filling those seats, start nullifying some shit. Okay. Show that what you what you're talking about can work. And then you step up and start running for Congress, start running for Senate, start running for president. Right now, there's a lot of resources being wasted on national elections that just are not winnable, where when you have local, there's local chairs that go uncontested. This is why, you know, there's cities that have mayors for, you know, 30 years because nobody runs against them. So they just win automatically. You I know, think right. I think you're dead on. I think your strategy is right. You know, and, and so we get, you build we up the Sean, the Sean strategy. You want to that, that is the that is the right strategy. Burn it down from the inside. Yes, I just said that, man. I want to burn the system to the ground. I want to see it up in flames, honestly. You know, and in, in, in a figuratively way, figurative way, of course. But you know what I mean? Like we there's only one way to do it, and it's from internal, it's it's from inside. Yeah, that, we don't have the capital to compete in the national elections. Do you realize that here in Michigan, I got asked to run for state Senate. LPMI asked me to run for state Senate. Okay. They asked me to run for uh, mayor of, of my city as well, but it was too late. I couldn't, you couldn't do the paperwork. It was already too far gone. They're like, well, what do you think about Senate? And I'm like, hell yeah, I would love to do that. But Alyssa Slotkin is projected to raise $50 million. Okay. $50 million as a Senate candidate. She's projected to raise that in her campaign. Okay. And you're never going to be able to get on a stage and debate her. And, and not to mention Governor Holcomb in New York, that's over double what she raised in her campaign as governor of New York in the last cycle. She, I think Holcomb got like $22 million and they're talking to a Senate candidate going to get $50 million in donations in Michigan. She's going to win it hands down. Nobody's going to come close to that. And the Republicans can't even run anybody worth a shit anyways. Yeah. They're really disappointing. Like you're not, you're not gonna, you can't compete with that. So yeah. this is why we need to right now focus on local show that this can work. Like, Hey man, like I live in, 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 in the city of Oak park and hypothetically I take over as, as mayor, right? And I go to the police and I'm like, okay, we're going to leave peaceful people alone. If they're not hurting anybody, taking their stuff or violating private property, you have no business fucking with these people. Stop it. Okay. And then also. So, so I told you the mayor of Sandy Springs pulled this crap off, right? Yeah. Okay. There's someone else too. There's a, a, and I wish I could remember, I mean, as I get older, I can't remember names, but there is a jurisdiction in Colorado, Mike Dunavy. Dunavy, I, I want to say. 
and his wife owned a bunch of strip clubs. Nice. So, so I mean, the, the attitude was live and let live, right? And the problem, the only Achilles heel is that in order to get in, in both of those cases where they got in, they had libertarian ideals and neither, none of them, neither of these two use cases really admitted that they, they didn't blatantly fly the flag. They got in, right? Mm -hmm. And then they were like, yeah, and by the way, we're leaning out the government. So it's this catch 22 of, you know, God knows Democrats and Republicans are nefariously infiltrating the Libertarian Party and ripping us apart. Oh, yeah. We have to figure out how to do this ass backwards, like not the just Justin Amash way of like, instead of him coming in, we need to get in and then exact our, the libertarian ideals. So it's this catch 22 of you can't market yourself. You can't state what you really think. You've got to play nice, right? And you got, and you got to get in and then do your damage. I know people on school boards that, yeah, very libertarian minded. They've sued the state and now they're on school boards. So this is happening quietly because it has to happen quietly. Right. That's the catch 22, right? It's like, we can't, we can't yell too loud, but we have but to once, figure out a way once to Once people start in. seeing that this works and, and that, and, and I can't wait to see what happens in Argentina. That's going to be a, a very, very good example of how things can work. He has a lot of work cut out for him because he has a lot of people from the right and left to fight with, you know, in the, in, in the legislature itself. But like, It'll be interesting to see how that pans out, and I look forward to it. But well, we should boogie, man. We've been doing this forever. Dude, oh I could talk to you forever. So, yeah, edit out all of the really, really bad stuff in the swearing. My kids charge me $2 every time I say fuck. So if you could edit out everything that makes me not look like a lady, I'd appreciate it. I'm kidding, of course. I think, I know, Don't I think we're, we're keeping it as is, man, because I say fuck all the time. It's one of my favorite words. And, and as a matter of fact, I love the word cunt. I love that word so much. And it's like the worst one of all. But like when I speak, I, oh my God, when I talk about the state, that's what they are, man. The state are a bunch of cunts. I won't even like hold back on that. But Angelique, thank you so much for your time. You're actually the last show of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it for the year. I gotta, I gotta take some time off for the holidays and be with family and stuff like that. And I'm sure you do too. Sean, you are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, I love it. I'm so very, very grateful for guys like you that are out there that have the guts to do this. I'm, I'm grateful we ran into each other and have a good holiday season. Okay. You too. And we will talk soon. Thank you so much for your time. Peace, love, and liberty. Y'all be good. Bye, Sean.